You get more out of life when you go out to a movie. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Delicious things to eat. The popcorn can't be beat. The sparkling drinks are just dandy. The chocolate bars and the candy. So let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Hello, welcome once again to Halloween Boutique Psychotronic Reviews. I am one of your co-hosts, Philip, from the state of New Hampshire in the U.S. of A., and with me in the state of New York. Hi, this is Mike. Mike, how's it going, sir? I'm fine, Phil. How are you? Excellent. I'm doing well. Yeah, can't complain. And then from the Commonwealth of Virginia? Hey, this is Barrett. Barrett, how's it going? It's going well. Excellent. And in the state of Wisconsin? Hello, this is Amy. Amy, how's it going? Very well. How are you? Good, good. Amy is uh, one of the co-hosts of Fish, or actually is the host of Fishnets and Phantoms on the Dark Discussions News Network. So, for folks who are curious who she is. And then we have a uh, first-time podcaster, uh, Johnny Noel. From what state are you at right now, Johnny Noel? I am still in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, Philip. Yes, there you go. So uh, Johnny Noel is joining us tonight. Uh, for folks who stumble upon us and wondering who we are, we are Dark Discussions News Network. Uh, the Halloween Boutique Psychotronic Reviews is one of 30-plus podcasts on the Dark Discussions News Network. Uh, you can find uh, that at www.darkdiscussions.com, where it is updated daily with news, columns, reviews, podcasts, uh, video reviews, and such. We have had a new video reviewer, uh, that has joined the team, uh, the horror show uh, starring Malcolm Johnson. So welcome, Malcolm Johnson. Uh, you'll see his first video. Well, by the time you hear this episode, uh, his videos will already begun to appear on the Dark Discussions News Network. Uh, so check that website out daily if you follow the news for horror films, science fiction, fantasy, all that good stuff, because it is updated constantly. Uh, you can email us at darkdiscussions at AOL.com or press the contact us link on the website and that will send an email directly to us similarly and then you can follow us on twitter at dark discussion one uh the dark discussions podcast facebook group and we do have a patreon so there's a big button on the website where you can donate to the network uh the network has cost a lot of money recently with all the updates and changes uh including storage fees uh audio uh storage area and and uh, various other things uh, and what happens if you donate well if you donate five dollars or if you donate twenty dollars you will get to choose uh, possible episodes that we will do on the dark discussions podcast so for example if you donate twenty dollars you would get to choose four so every five dollars so you could choose Friday the 13th uh, Nightmare on Elm Street the Hills Have Eyes or um, Suspiria. Suspiria, thank you. So any of those four, and then if uh, 
you or or you could just choose superior superior four times because you you donated twenty dollars. Uh, so every month uh, we add that to the figure of hat, and then at the end of each quarter we pick out of that figure of hat a new uh, film from all the people who have donated to the network. So any help would be greatly appreciated. But we are doing this fully free otherwise. Um, all right, so that's pretty much all the house cleaning. Uh, so I guess we can uh, get into any news. Uh, first off, uh, Mike, you usually have some news topics. Any, anything up to date that you want to just bring up quickly? Um, have you seen Nobody? Got... Not yet. I actually uh, did just come from the theater, but I did not see Nobody. Um, I actually just came from seeing the uh, uh, prequel to Raiders of the Lost Ark uh, that goes all about how the 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 Ark of the Covenant was created. It was called the Ten Commandments. Um, <laughs> starring Vincent Price and Ed, uh, 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 Edward Edward G. G. Robinson. Yes. Yep. Um, and uh, John Carradine. So. Yeah, uh, Charles Was he in that? Yeah, I, I guess he so. was. Actually, the best line of that movie, Mike, was when, I, th- I, forget, I think it was Heston that says it, but it may have been Robinson, which is, uh, there's this really good looking woman, and he says, the curse of the, the Jewish woman is if they're too beautiful, they'll be taken or something like that. I forget the exact quote. No, I but... think that's Aaron who says it. Um, Aaron? Okay. Uh, I forget the actor that played Aaron. Is it Aaron or is it? I'm trying to remember the name of the characters. There's so many characters in that film. Yeah. But but it, it was a scary line when I first heard it. Because like, yeah, that is true. There's a pretty popular people. book you can find out the characters from. Uh, yes, that is true. The Bible. <laughs> heard the, the, you know, the, the, the prose kind of drags. Uh, uh, oh, I'm going to have to cut that It's a little old-fashioned. It's a little dated. Uh, anyway, uh, that's that's good. But what was the movie... The, uh, what was the topic you wanted to mention? Did we talk well, about? Well, uh, did we discuss this on um, the Dark Discussions podcast? The uh, Warner Brothers changing its policy again? We did not. We did not. That was offline. I mean, you were talking about it, but it oh, came. okay. So Warner Brothers during the time of the pandemic, kind of understandably, with a new network to try to push that wasn't doing quite so hot, made all of its new films simultaneously streaming for like 30 or 31 days. Uh, and so you had things like, you know, Wonder Woman 84, Judas and the Black Messiah, and then upcoming this Tom week, and Jerry. Tom and Jerry, upcoming this week is Godzilla vs. Kong. Um, and they have announced that that has not going to be, they're not doing that anymore after the end of the year, um, which will therefore piss off a whole lot of people who do not want to go to the movie theaters. But the Warner Brothers executives, not being content with only pissing off half of their customers, <laughs> then flipped around and said, we're going to make all of our movies exclusive to Regal Cinemas. Oh, and they could also one. piss off those who go to movies. Well, that would so be great. Right. Well, Regal's to... not open here yet. Yeah, we don't have any. Uh, we Regal, don't again, this is going to start, and this is start next year. Oh, and Regal's, Regal has announced they're going to be opening soon. And they certainly expect to be open by January. But what uh, about if you don't have a Regal near you, Mike? What happens then? That I have not heard if they've found a way around that or not. But, you know, if you look at where all the Regals are, they're on the East Coast, on the West Coast, and the rest is a great big, you know, between those two buns, you have a great big hamburger and nothing. Uh, <laughs> no Regal right. at all. And um, so, like, if you live in, I don't know, Kansas or... Nebraska, Kentucky. You, 
or Kentucky, you might be screwed when it comes to trying to find a Regal. I mean, I know where I am. The nearest Regal is about an hour away from me. Same same uh, with us, too. Same where I live, same where John Noel lives. Uh, the closest one is, I think, Bellingham, Massachusetts, or or downtown Boston, where you paid $30 parking. Time to move right. to the coasts. Right. So, like, if in three years I want to go see – if I want to go see – Kong versus Rocky in three years, then, you know, I'm, I'm going to have to take a hell of a drive to go do that. Um, admittedly, I'm doing that on Wednesday anyway to go to the IMAX showing for Godzilla versus Kong. So oh. it's not a thing, but there's obviously lots of, of, uh, of uh, Warner Brothers films that I'm not really going to want to do an hour drive for. Yeah, who's going to do an hour drive for, uh, you know, something you might have seen if it was within like 20 minutes? But an hour right. drive is too much. Right. I've got a theater, you know, five minutes from me, and I've, I've, there's movies that I would go see, you know, or with the uh, uh, the AMC A-list plan, you know, where I get the three free movies a week. I, Ooh, I that might, still exists. That still exists. Um, I, I could go, now that the theaters are open again, you can just reactivate that at any time. Um, I could go see a movie there that I might otherwise not want to go see. You know, that would be like kind of a, I would wait to see this in cable, but since I don't have to pay to buy a ticket for it, I'll go see it. Um, but I'm not going to go drive an hour to go to a Regal Cinema to go see a movie I was only kind of sort of interested in seeing. Um, like I said, maybe they have a way around it. Maybe they, they they have something like if you're in a market where there is no Regal, then they could show it there. Um, it just seems like a really bad idea, and it seems like a terrible precedent because like, I think it would be a terrible idea. If, Especially um, for independent cin- cinemas. Like, I always try to go to, yeah. we've got a couple independent theaters here, and I do my best to always frequent them instead. Or the food mm-hmm. ones, the ones that sell food that are smaller. Like, we have something called Cinebistro here. Yeah. They, yeah. they wouldn't be able right. to get it, but all the Regals, that puts them at an economic disadvantage to those. Well, I don't theaters. know. I mean, honestly, okay, just, um, this is... The, the deal is technically on with, with Regal. It's whatever the parent company of Regal is. So I don't know if they happen to own any other theater chains besides Regal. But basically you have AMC, Regal, like Cinemark, I think are the big three in the United States. We have Marcus. Um, we also have around here Flagship. There's Bowtie kind of within the, the nearest hour. There's a we few we had Cine, Cinemagic, which was all northern New England, and they just went out of business, including their IMAX due to the COVID. Um, so, it just seems like a foolish idea. I, I can't imagine that if there's any way that financially that would make sense. Right. And now let's just imagine for a second that then AMC, as their, you could argue their chief rival, right, then decides, well, screw you, you know what, we're going to do you one better, and they, and let's say, enter into an exclusive agreement with Disney. Oh, no. So right, be could, like you could you see, right, so you see the, the potential problem here, you know. Um, it's becoming just like it's becoming just like Xbox versus PlayStation versus Nintendo, where they have yeah. exclusive games, and you can't get them unless you buy their box. But at the it's very least, worse. anybody... Anybody could buy those boxes. I yeah. mean, financially. I mean, obviously, there are people who cannot afford to spend twelve hundred dollars on video game consoles. But you can't but, move a Regal to Lexington, Kentucky, for example. Right. Exactly. exactly. And all we right. have is Regal, besides some of the one-offs that we have here. So it's not like you know Home Depot and Lowe's, where it seems like wherever one opens, the other one opens right next door. Yeah. Yeah, they yeah. kind of take uh, over markets. 
We yeah. used to have some other bigger chains here, and Regal bought them all out of their places. So, yeah, it's unfortunate. It's uh, we'll see what happens. Um, but the thing is, is you won't if you want to see a movie now by Warner Brothers in 2022, you will not be able to see it for like 90 days unless you're near a regal because you can't get it on HBO Max anymore and you can't get it at a theater. So while everybody else in the coast, as Mike mentioned, are able to go see, you know, the next Godzilla versus Rocky, you're not going to be if you live out in Cheyenne, Wyoming, because it's like, uh, my theater isn't a regal and I can't now watch it on HBO Max like I could in 2021. Well, I mean, in fairness, the, the delay until streaming is a thing is just basically rewinding the clock all the way back to, you know, late 2020. No, but, but yes, it is because it's, it's, it screws over the people who don't have regals. Oh, absolutely. But I'm saying and the, the people that got that HBO the Max, it's the, it's the theater exclusivity. That's the problem. Well, yes, and the people that got the HBO Max, cause they thought they were going to get their movies the first 30 days, they're going to get rid of their accounts. Oh yeah, that was always going to be an issue with HBO Max. They had, they basically had this twelve-month window to convince people that this was a good reason to sign up for HBO Max. And I want to point out, I have been signed in uh, up as a member from for HBO Max since day one because I was already um, an HBO HBO now plus whatever it was called before that. And between doing Game of Thrones and Westworld and other things that that are on that, it was worth it for me to hang on. Because it was really basically what I was paying for HBO right. before. Right. Well, and they had other d- decent shows like The Undoing and and uh, that superhero one that you you liked, Mike. That's based off of uh, Richard Nixon, the alternate reality. What the hell is that called again? The Watchmen. The Watchmen. Yeah, they had that show. So they, they've had some good shows on HBO, right? Yeah, but that one was already before. Right. right. HBO oh, Max, and then, right. Right. And they so had the Scott. One so too. there was the Ridley Scott show. Uh, uh, series uh, raised by wolves so there was stuff that that's there the i thing, enjoy it the only thing i can think of is is they're expecting both westworlds season four and the game of thrones spinoff maybe coming out in 2022 which would attract people to stay that's all well I there's think also of. a i think a gotham city tv series um or batman tv series something related to Batman as a TV sure, sure. series. And I know they, they're basically going to try and because that's what Warner Brothers does. Since Disney's doing Marvel TV series, they're going to be doing more DC, DC TV series. series. Admittedly, they've been doing DC TV series for a while, but these yeah. I think are going to be directly in their cinematic universe kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll see, see how they pull it off. Yeah. It's Look, I know that there are not everybody you know, is in this position I'm in where my work, where I work, my wife works and we don't have any children and therefore we can maybe overspend on our entertainment that other people can't. People are going to have to start picking and choosing between mm-hmm. streaming networks or they already have been. And I don't know that HBO is going to be the one that they stick with. At least Indeed. it's a big brand. I mean, it's, it's got the H- HBO brand behind it. Yeah. yeah but, but, the, but you know what? There's more and more, you know, there's Peacock now, there's Paramount Plus, there's Epics, there's all these other ones that are coming out. And, and so the streamings are even getting more splintered, as, as we predicted, Mike, on the Dark Discussions podcast. And so if they're not get, you have to stand out 
right? And if, if HBO doesn't stand out, they may drop. You know, as Netflix raises another $3 like they did in the past month, you're going to lose people like Eric Webster, who just dumped Netflix. So you have to really stand out. And I think 2022 is just going to make it even harder to stand out. I would not be shocked, and I've said this on the Dark Discussions podcast, um, way back, way, way back in the early ages of cable TV, there were two comedy channels. You know, there was one, I think it was just called the Comedy Channel, and the other one I think was called Ha. And uh, this was in the sort of golden age of stand-up. But neither one had enough of an audience to stand on its own, and so they just merged and became Comedy Central. Yeah, that's probably what's going to end up happening, is there'll be, like, a couple, like, hubs of, uh, you know, things, and they'll all go together towards that. Right, so, like, with with Disney, you've, you've got, like, Disney is technically Disney Plus, plus Disney also controls Hulu. So they offer those as a they package. Part, they, they, they have a deal with – they own a quarter of a cool or a third. It's a weird thing. Yes, yeah. Yeah. There's, there's, a, there's like three companies that own Hulu, Mike, and Disney's one of them. But they're, it's like equal partnership. I thought they had bought weird. it out. I thought they oh. had. Oh, maybe they did. Oh, yeah, all right. Maybe I'm, I'm wrong. Yeah, because I know they get ABC series and stuff, so I, I don't know how it works. So, yeah, maybe they did buy it out, Mike. You could be right. Um, but right. So I could see something like, for instance, I'm making this up. Ah. This is not a rumor. I could see something like where, say, uh, Paramount Plus and the Peacock Network join up. Disney's agreed right. to take full control of Hulu in 2024, buying out Comcast stake for at least $5.8 billion. But its future seems uncertain after the breakout growth at Disney Plus and the star announcement, whatever that is. No, Disney Star, star I think, is the adult Disney Plus. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, so but that, you mean you mean you don't mean pornography, adult. You mean no, you mean yeah. something. Oh no, uh, God, that's no, no, no. That's that's Disney. That's Disney Double Plus. That'll be <laughs> that'll yeah, be for so the you, people you who are into cartoon adult, porn. You mean you mean adult meaning um like uh, not not necessarily family friendly, but more like thrillers and and right. Action. So since they bought the Fox Library, right? So yeah. they'll have yeah, like things, Alien, for example, they own like Alien. Alien and Aliens, and I know like there's the Alien series. You know, they get the FX library, so a show like Sons of Anarchy or The Shield, obviously yep. not really Disney Plus. Right, right? so that, I see um, what you're saying, yeah, yeah. Do you want to watch Phineas and Ferb or Vince McKay? You know, Vic McKay, uh, Vic McKay, you know, it's a, uh, who knows? Yeah. Or or the Mayans, what, what, what goes well with that? Greenland is a good movie. We'll probably move move on. We should probably move yeah, on. Yeah, we should probably move on. But but we get that. And, and we'll talk about this again on the Stacks episode uh, Thursday um, on the Slacks. Dark Discussions Park. Slacks. I keep on saying Stacks. I have no idea why. So Slacks. Yeah, so they're, they're, <laughs> that movie we're, we're going to be reviewing. Um, but anyway, uh, some other news is uh, folks who just listened to this podcast, uh, Dark Discussions News Network is now 10 years old. That We had our 10th year anniversary. Woo! Congratulations. So, so uh, for folks who are just stumbling upon us and don't listen to the Dark Discussions podcast, uh, the whole network as a whole is 10 years old. So uh, uh, that's a good news. Uh, for folks who are curious, we are uh, recording this on March 28th, 2021. So some listeners like uh, we know, like Pam, who always wonder, because sometimes these episodes aren't released the very next week. They're sometimes released a month later and in a couple of cases like the Deathgasm episode, Mike, was three years later. So. Yeah. How long did the Ozark episode take? Ozark was uh, at least a year and a half. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, And there was a couple others, too, that were long. Oh, uh, The Ruins, that was like a year and a half. And 
Gungeum, Haunted Asylum was another one. So, yeah. But let this, let this be a lesson to, to other podcasters or would-be podcasters out there. It's never a bad idea to have a back at an, epi- if you, cause an episode or two in your back pocket. Because a big thing with podcasts is coming out on a regular basis because podcasts have a habit of disappearing for <laughs> mysterious lengths of time. This is not a shot at Amy. Amy, you at least came out and said you're going to be off for a bit. That Thank just you. sort of Just sort of mysteriously stop. <laughs> right, that is a thing that podcasts do. When we did it with, um, not to pat ourselves on the back, but when we did it with Searching for American Gods, we said, you know what, we weren't enjoying the season two. Neither one of us is subscribing to Stars at the moment. We're, we're just, we're just going to stop. We put out a three minute announcement saying we were stopping. But if you keep coming out, it doesn't have to be weekly. Whether it's weekly, biweekly, monthly, whatever it is, you want to keep that schedule. So if you can sneak in like an episode that you could or two in your back pocket that you can leave on the back burner so that if events force you to miss an episode or miss a week or month recording, you have something you could throw up there. Indeed. You know, never a bad thing to get ahead. Yep, that's right. And we have like five or six right now in the backlog of Dark Discussions podcast, and we have another three or, f- three or four for the Halloween Boutique Psychotronic Review. So, yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. And Cinema a la carte, we have like three as well. So, yeah. That's true. Um, all right, all right. So we'll, we'll, maybe we'll talk more news after. But uh, either way, uh, we'll probably get into our episode tonight. So, uh, Mike, uh, what are we going to discuss tonight? We're going to watch the latest in the disaster porn genre <laughs> of films, and that is the 2020 uh, Gerard Butler magnum opus, Greenland. Is this Clark, this uh, interstellar comet? Big news. I don't see Clark. Oh, maybe he's still sleeping. Dad. (laughs) Some of Clark's larger fragments are now expected to enter our atmosphere. That's right. I know that you're just. What are they saying? It's more of the same. I bet you it's going to make a heck of a show. first chunk is about to hit. Hit? Only part of it. It's going in the ocean. Two. Would you look at that? One. Wait, what is the explosion? We now are getting word that the fragment has hit Central Florida. Oh my God. Wait, are some more pieces gonna hit? Come on, let's go. The sky's on fire. Two days. They got it all wrong. There's a ton of fragments. Planet killers. Space agencies are predicting an extinction level event. We're going to be together, all right, kiddo? We're just trying to get to safety. They've been tracking the military flights to bunkers in Greenland. It's their only chance. Move back! Perimeter breach. Perimeter breach. Runway 33. Three. Allison! It's okay. Clark's largest fragment will hit in less than 24 hours. I swear I'm going to get my family into that bunker. I know you will, son. If you are hearing this broadcast, seek shelter immediately. 
right uh greenland and actually mike is it really 2020 or did it get pushed back into it was, january 2020 the release date i saw was like december 14th okay yeah that's probably true yeah and, but you couldn't you had to pay 20 dollars to watch it rent it and it was one of those you know it was supposed to be at the theaters like five times and it kept on getting pushed back and they finally said we're only going to do vod and of course since it was one of those big budget films that was going to theaters they charged $20 and, and no one watched it until maybe this past week when it went down to six. Finally, uh, the film actually is oddly going to get VOD, uh, or I should say streaming rights by HBO max. They're going to get the streaming rights to it. So, uh, that's pretty interesting compared to, and not other companies like Netflix or anything. Um, so anyway, uh, yep. As Mike mentioned, Greenland is a big budget film directed by Rick Roman, Whoa, who uh, has been known to do some other pretty decent films, like Shock Collar was a really good film. Uh, everybody should check that, uh, starring Jamie from Game of Thrones. Um, also, Chris uh, Sparling is the screenwriter, and Chris Sparling is another one that's done some pretty decent stuff, including uh, the horror film ATM from a couple of years ago. Um, the movie, as Mike mentioned, stars uh, Gerald Butler, who's done a number of films with... Uh, the director in the past, Rick Roman Woe, uh, but also starring in it uh, is Marina Baccarin, who is well known for various television shows and movies, such as Firefly. Um, what's the one that Ryan? What's the one that Ryan Reynolds? Deadpool. 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 That's it. Yeah, and and then uh, Amy, you mentioned a show that he, she was on. Uh, Got, yeah, uh, Gotham, Gotham, yeah. So, uh, uh, but it's interesting here. Uh, Gerald Butler is a Scottish man. He actually does play a Scottish uh, immigrant. Uh, but Marina Baccarin, who's a Brazilian-Italian, actually uh, plays an American. So it's kind of funny that the two leads are not Americans, and this is an American uh, starring a vehicle, I guess. Uh, it takes place in central uh, central part of the United States, uh, generally the Ohio, Kentucky, Tennessee uh, areas. Uh, the film is getting rave reviews for 79% reviews on Rotten Tomatoes, 145 reviews. Uh, such uh, fan favorite uh, critics such as R Richard Roper actually made an excellent comparison uh, in his review. He said, unlike the typical effects-laden Comet Threatens the Planet B-movie, Greenland is more in the vein of Steven Spielberg's War of the Worlds, with scenes of chaos and destruction serving as the backdrop for the story of one family's desperate quest for survival, even when circumstances have ripped them apart. Um, so uh, I guess we can go around and discuss how we heard about this film and what we thought about it. So uh, let's start with you, Barrett. Um, I had seen this advertised for a while, and I was thinking about when it was free, I would watch it, and then you said, hey, we're going to do a podcast. Let's watch it now. So I rented it and watched it. I actually watched it twice um, to get ready for this. It was, I liked a lot of the parts of it. There were parts that I thought were a little ridiculous and not well done plot-wise, um, but all of the chaos that happens, I really like that. And I like the special effects. And generally, I like the story. There are just some issues I have with it. 
All right, sounds good. Uh, yeah, for me, um, yeah, I heard about it a couple of places. I mean, I saw it pop up on um, iTunes, uh, and then uh, co-host Eric Webster of the Dark Discussion podcast mentioned he saw it, and he said it was a pretty solid film, um, except maybe the third act, he said, was a little disappointing, but generally he liked the film. Uh, so, yeah, when it came down to six ninety nine. Um, uh, me and my wife decided to watch it, and so we uh, put it on, I think it was Friday night. And, um, yeah, I went in blind. Uh, well, I had to see the trailer because my wife wanted to see the trailer. Uh, but I didn't know too much about it. I didn't know if it got good or bad reviews. Um, and, uh, yeah, I liked it a lot. Uh, um, I felt that um, uh, I see Eric Webster's point that the third act may be a little uh, much kind of a, a issue but generally um i like the, th- the three leads no one acted like the new superhero you know the woman doesn't suddenly become a superhero like they do in a lot of these new films the kid acted like a kid and didn't act like a, you know a toughie uh the husband uh wasn't a superhero either he you know he was really scared he was worried he was concerned and he wasn't you know being a he-man or by any means uh the family a dynamic was good they had some drama backstory about the family life but it, it didn't overpower it like say that horror film the shallows from a couple of years ago which i felt was just way too heavy-handed uh so the, the backstory of the characters were fantastic special effects were really damn good as well um there is a couple of coincidences you know when they separate uh specifically uh when the mother and the boy separate at one point it's it was kind of uh, I can see what Barrett said to me offline where there may be some uh, issues with, I guess, re- actually realistic. Would they really find each other after they've been split up and stuff like that? But generally, um, yeah, a uh, really good, fun film. Um, I enjoyed it a whole lot, and uh, everybody was casted pretty pretty well. Uh, let's go with you, uh, Amy. Hey, um, I heard about this movie earlier than I realized. I have a a friend that loves disaster movies, and she had mentioned it to me a couple months ago. She watched it as soon as it came out, uh, as soon as it was possible to rent, and um, said that it was really good and recommended I watch it. But I don't usually like disaster movies, so I didn't uh, hunt it down. However, this, all of the actors in this, all of the main actors, I really like a lot. So I was very interested in trying it out. Um, I, like I said, I uh, watched, uh, is it Mar- Marina Bac- Bac- Bacerin? Um, uh, yeah, Bacerin or Bacerin or something like that, yeah. Yeah, um, probably should uh, figure out how, how she says her name since I like her a lot. Um, she's on Firefly and uh, she was one of the lead actors on Gotham. And I like her acting a lot and I like, She has a very good way of playing a strong character that is also vulnerable, like a strong woman that is also a vulnerable woman, which is is a good way of portraying a well-rounded character. Um, Scott Glenn used to be um, Stick on uh, Daredevil, and I like him a lot. He always has like a creepy sort of vibe. Um, He seems like a a veteran, like he is... um, had been in perhaps Vietnam or um, uh, one of the Gulf Wars or something like that. But um, he's always a really good character because he always has this sort of a wisdom sort of about him. Um, And he does a great job as the father figure or grandfather figure. And uh, in general, I thought that the whole movie was 
very uh, entertaining and fun. Um, like I said, I don't usually like disaster movies, but this one was really good, and it kept me interested. And um, for a while, my heart was like pounding. I was like, "Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! Are they going to get out?" And I'm like, "Yes, they're totally going to get out because this really is not happening." <laughs> and these are all actors. Um, but uh, there are some coincidences and some forgetfulness. It does seem like they forget about um, some. Uh, let's see, what would they be MacGuffins um, in the movie? Uh, that, that that had been like a really important thing, and then they suddenly drop it. Um, but other than that, I really like the movie. Um, the, and I can see what um, you guys are saying about the third act. Uh, but the effects are great. The um, the uh, is it is it okay to say somewhat spoiler things like what why it's a, a disaster movie? Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, It's right in the, the trailer, so yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. So uh, there's a comet that's um, broken apart and is falling on the Earth. And that, the way they film that is great. It's like it's really beautiful, but also really terrifying at the same time. And they do um, pay attention to sunsets and sunrises, like how beautiful they are, like in the horrible disasters, like when there's a volcano going off, like because there's all the particles in the air and um, they're really beautiful, but at the same time deadly. And I think that that's a um, a really good way of showing the um, primordial uh, terror of nature. So right, yeah, very good. Yeah, so you liked it. All right, all right. So uh, how did you hear about it, and what did you think of it, Mr. Johnny Noel? Well, hello everybody. Um, I remember seeing the trailer early, and I immediately knew I was going to watch it. Uh, generally, I like these disaster cataclysmic flicks. Uh, definitely a Gerard Butler fan. I loved him in 300 and uh, Geostorm and the other ones that are kind of alike. Starting to wonder if he's getting a little bit typecast. Um, so I saw the trailer for it and knew once it got released VOD, I was going to rent it like that night. And I believe I did. I don't know if it was in November or December, um, but it was a while ago. And then I watched it again recently. Um, when I heard about this upcoming podcast, uh, I kind of love the obscure reference, uh, Amy, uh, touching on Scott Glenn's character. He reminds me of an old, uh, Richard Farnsworth, except, uh, younger. Um, I always think he does great roles and adds something to the, to the film in general. Um, overall, I loved the movie. I thought it was, uh, you know, your basic great popcorn movie that wasn't overdone with CGI. The special effects I thought were believable, but awesome. Uh, I was thoroughly entertained. Um, pretty good character development. Nothing over the top, like I believe Phil said. It wasn't too heavy with the family dynamics that were like a backdrop to the story. But there were some really cool parts of the movie. Um, overall, well done. And like everybody, probably I had some issues with the movie as far as believability or some you know, just typical movies that you like that when it happened. I'll just give you an example, like when they forgot the diabetes medicine for the child. Uh, uh, yeah. You know, it's like I have the most important thing. Yeah, I have friends that children have juvenile diabetes and it like consumes them as a being. And it's like nobody ever forgets their child's diabetes insulin or whatever. It's just, it was in the was, bag. Right. It was in yeah. the bag. Come on. That's the one thing you make sure you have. That so, killed me. 
yeah, it killed me too. But uh, overall, I mean, it was a tremendous popcorn movie. Very entertained. Overall, it was cool. Um, and we'll go from there. Thanks, Phil. All right. Very well, um, yeah, for, to be fair, um, it wasn't the parents who forgot the medicine. It was the kid who, t- who took it out because he was getting snacks and he left it. Double check it before you get on the plane. Before you leave the car. Amen. I, 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 I would, I would, cur- I would cur- but, uh, we'll, we'll get into the diabetes but, but thing. In, in fairness, most of the time, I'm guessing like you're talking about parents who are like, check it before we drop them off at school. Check it before we go on the plane to Disney World. Yep. Check it yeah. before we go to the supermarket. Not check it before an asteroid collides the Earth and right. kills all of us. <laughs> that's that's even more that's, important. That's, that's, We're going to have to go on a plane ride to Greenland. I'm just saying they're, 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 they may have been under a slightly more pressure. Okay, this devil's advocates. <laughs> just saying. Just saying. It's, yeah, a, it's a fair and... point, and I, I would concur with Mike on that. All right, thank you, John. Uh, and Mike, what about yourself? What did you hear about it, and what did you think? I saw a trailer for it. I don't remember when, and I uh, you know, probably like November. Um, and the thing is with Gerard Butler, I I don't dislike him. I like him, but he always seems like man. the. But he seems like the guy that they get when they want to get the one guy, but they can't get him, so they try to get the guy like him. <laughs> But then they can't get that guy either. So then they get Aww. Gerard Butler. Oh man! Um, because well, those like, are to be, to be fair. <laughs> I think what happened is is they've always tried to make him a A lister, and everyone that he he's done just turned out to be bad scripts. So I think that only it only looks that way. Well, maybe, but I mean, he's not like Wings Hauser, you know, who was a. C movie star on in the VHS era. Um <laughs> but you know, it's he he's not getting those like I mean I saw what was it uh oh what was the White House movie he did? Olympus has fallen. Olympus Olympus, has yeah, fallen. So yeah, so I Love saw that, that movie. Cool. and then there was and which I didn't see the sequel, which was London has falling down. Falling also down. The same London has fallen, yeah. Yeah. Um third one like, too. So he's getting <laughs> like the the B action films, not the A action films. And so sometimes like there's the script stuff. So my point was seeing Gerard Butler in it is not to me a thing that says you must go see this because sure. it makes me think that, you know, this is the guy they the budget of allowed them to afford to get. Um, and it's a disaster film and disaster films I'm very mixed about because on the one hand, there is disaster porn, right? There's the destruction, devastation porn that you get from it. Um Oh, I can't even think of what the I'm blanking on the one was it 2011 or yeah 2012 oh, yeah. or 2012 whatever it was and yeah, with you John know Cusack, right? John Cusack. yeah with John Cusack Royal you know and you got your, your Armageddon's and your vul- and and uh, Deep Impact and Volcano and Dante's Peak and all these Day things after you know? tomorrow yeah all this stuff um, and a lot of them are absolutely ludicrous and over the top um, but they're all often also the same you know there's 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 a lot of similarity to it so this one is one of those uh and i guess like volcano and dante's peak are a really good example of how like dante's peak tries to play it straight and volcano just goes what if there's a volcano in the middle of los angeles (laughs) yeah (laughs) um this one is leaning more i think in the dante's peak direction but it still feels like it's got like a toe in the volcano um, uh, but but you gotta give them credit mike they're not using like climate change is gonna kill us all you know it's it's actually just a fluke 
Well, I mean, but that's that's what the Hammer of God type of Yeah, but this are. is the next thing to worry about. I keep seeing it in the news. This comet's going to pass close by. This one's going to hit us in 2068. I mean, I keep hearing stuff. It's well, becoming more constant now. Yeah, well, I'll get to that in a minute. Any, any, um, anything, anything the news can get, get money and clicks. But anyway, right. so anyway, I thought it was okay. Quote, I, I, I think I'm the, the probably the least enthused about it. Um, I, I watched it, and yes, the effects are nice, but not necessarily mind blowing. There were, um, there, there were, there was like a lot of downtime between scenes that really grabbed me there there are coincidences but you know what we that, find me a film that does not have an absurd coincidence in it i think there's just too many in this film for me and that, that, that probably it. is i haven't really thought about it enough um but yeah i mean i, I do I, I like all the actors i love what movies are made of but this one just has a few too many for me That's yeah what my issue is. well, well, well we'll talk about them because i'm i'm probably where mike is i i didn't i wasn't counting them so or but you can bring some of them up after, but continue, Mike. And and again, this is sort of like to me, it's like going to watch a Godzilla movie. I'm not watching disaster films for the tight plot. Yeah. <laughs> That's the truth. I am I am going to see shit blow up, um, or staying at home in this case to watch shit blow up, um, or snowed under, or melted, or burned down, or shaken up. It all depends on or flooded. All depends on what exactly the disaster porn flavor is, and but since it's uh since it's asteroid, actually sorry, comet, uh, I'll go with uh, blown up. Um, yeah, so you know it's it's fine. I thought, you know, the worst title ever, because every time I kept seeing this movie Greenland, even though I'd seen the trailer, and right, I knew it sounds it like a drama. Was, like yeah. I could, I, I was thinking it's going to be some right, family melodrama or. Right. Relationship movie or whatever. I don't know there's elements of it here, but obviously that's not the selling point. Yeah. Um, you know, so, <laughs> and and in fairness, they don't actually even mention Greenland, I think, until it was like 48 move, minutes into the movie. Um, and the majority of the movie is them trying to get to Kentucky. <laughs> they should have called it yeah. Kentucky. <laughs> and, they, so they call it, and then, they, then the, most of the rest of the movie is trying to get to Canada. <laughs> you know, so it's funny, we're we're talking about hooks in this writing class I'm in, and I'm like, Greenland's not a very good hook for this movie. No, and, and it's not like, and it's not like, and by the way, this is not a fault of the film. I don't yeah, right. I'm the title not has criticizing the film for this. I'm criticizing right, right. the title, and who right. gives a shit about the title? Um, but yeah. it's not like Jaws. Okay, something is eating people. We don't know what, <laughs> but a thing is eating people. We got that. That's why it's called Jaws. Um Greenland, it's does it's not going to hook people. I'm wondering what the original screenplay was because I think if the original screenplay title was Greenland, then they would have written more Greenland in it. Yeah, it was Yeah, I mean, when I stumbled upon it on iTunes, the only reason I knew it looked pretty cool was because of the, the poster, because the title made it sound like oh, it's just a melodrama. Not no, nothing wrong with melodramas because you know we've done a wall and. Uh, my summer of love and stuff on this podcast too, and so we've done our you know style. It me and Mike did on cinema cards. So we we do melodramas too, but the, you know obviously Greenland sounds like a melodrama, but the poster was the thing that made me know that it wasn't a melodrama. Right. So, but that's a, that's neither here nor there. Like I, said, I think it's a I like the actors in it, um, but I thought it was a otherwise it was an okay film. There were there were things that like. I think they could have pushed the envelope a little bit more on it. 
Uh, I don't know what the rating on this film was. Uh, PG-13, 79%. Uh, rate, good reviews on Rotten Tomatoes on 124 reviews. No, that, that's all I was caring about. It was was the the the, the rating, the the MPA rating. Um, so yeah, so they they you know if they want a PG-13, they really can't go like full hardcore. Like when you get the riots and the scene in the drugstore, um, right. felt kind of like uh, there were a lot of things like that where it felt like they were holding back. And, you know, part of me is like kind of wanted to see a little bit more of the exploitation parts of it. Or, <laughs> right, right, like uh, World War Z, right? I mean, when they had the, the, right, at the at the grocery store, you know, you saw people lying in pools of blood or, or, in, or in, in films like that. So that's a fair point, Mike. Um, and, and but again, they, again, though, they weren't looking to make this uh, an R-rated film, right? You could tell that they were trying to make this a family adventure type film, even though it's not a family adventure because it's a, a dark topic, but it's the type of film that you could take, you know, your, your 12 year olds and 15 year olds to as a family type of thing. If you wanted to see an action film or something. Right. And yeah. you don't see like people, you know, burning in buildings and, you know, you really don't, you don't get the whole blowing up landmarks thing that really, let's be honest, that's what a lot of us really like. Out of <laughs> the, <laughs> yeah. The films, you know, so they blow up Florida. So could we have gotten like the, well, you know, the Disney castle on flame. <laughs> well, that's why I wanted to read. That's why I wanted to read the Richard Roper uh, review. You know, the little link that I, I, I did because he mentioned that it's more like War of the Worlds, right? It's it's just a family of people. It's not going to be the international film that we see for usually these type of films. Oh yeah, you know, but I mean, World I mean, of the you get to we see, see some Paris people roasted alive. And, what's that? War, War of the Worlds. We see people roasted alive. Yeah. No, no, no. But but we we didn't see entire cities, you know, like Washington D.C. burn up like we no, did Independence Day. You know what I'm saying? We didn't see the Empire State Building fall, you know, like you did in Independence Day or something like that. The, this film was more lower level to the character. It was a character driven film more than a yeah a, a d- disaster slash space alien. Disaster pretty much see what they see, and anything they see that's large is usually on the television. Right. Exactly. As news, yeah. yeah. So, like I said, it's not a bad film. I don't want to make it. It's it's a it's a it's an okay film. It is. I don't think this is going to be a classic in the genre. For what is a genre that is really known for its cheesiness and over the topness? I think this could have been more cheesy and more over the top, and it played it a little safe. But there were certainly I'm things. I'm not to doing listen. that, Mike. The, it got great critical reviews. Well, that's fine. I, but I'm, I don't give a shit. <laughs> You're asking what I thought, not what do the critics think. Yeah, the critic. Well, you I are. had no idea what the critics were thinking until you brought it up. You are a critic, actually, Mike, because you're, you're reviewing the film. They're, they're paid critics. Yeah, yeah, we get paid nothing. Yeah, we're we're in the red, so we're red critics. Uh. <laughs> All right, sounds good. So uh, it seems like uh, uh, three real loves me, Amy, and John Noel. Uh, and uh, one uh, and two, okay. And Barrett and Mike, I think. Uh, Mike, maybe like you said, the, the least favorable, though still favorable. Um, all right, sounds good. So uh, before we get into our discussion, uh, Barrett, do we have a wiki? We do have a wiki. Wiki, 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 wiki. Don't play with um, your wiki. What was that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> A family struggles for survival in the face of a cataclysmic natural disaster. Short, sweet, and to the point. Yeah, I like that. I like it. It doesn't tell you what it I is. It doesn't give anything away. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's a good one. So, 
Um, if I hadn't seen the, the trailer uh, and I read that, I, I wouldn't know too much. So, yeah, that that's good. That's good. All right. Sounds good. But, so, but in uh, fairness, I mean, don't they, like, let you know within, like, five minutes of the movie starting like, yeah, that there's a, a comet? comet. So. Yeah. yeah, so you probably <laughs> forget that. that was gonna be. But you know what, though, Mike? If you went in blind, not reading the IMDb or seeing the trailer – or even the poster, and you just heard the film was named Greenland, you would just think the comet was in the distance and had nothing to do with the melodrama that was going to happen. If, if I had, I wouldn't have had no interest in watching the movie whatsoever, because I would have thought it was a silly melodrama with some woman and a little dog. Hey, that was not a style. It was a great film. Don't, don't give me that bullshit, dude. That was an awesome film. But I would not have watched it on my own. Fair enough. Fair enough. I'll give you that. <laughs> Indeed. All right. Sounds good. So um, we, before we get into our uh, beginning of dissecting and reviewing the film, uh, basically for folks who are curious, uh, we basically dissect and review. So we're not just reviewing. And therefore, because of that, we will eventually throw up a spoiler and talk about everything and anything in the film because, again, we critique it as well as just review it. Uh, so before we do get into the spoiler section, I guess we can start talking about non-spoiler stuff. So uh, um, the diabetes, that immediately when that came up. Okay, so basically what, what it is, is this is a family. Check off diabetes. Yeah, so, so let, me, let me give a, a quick synopsis besides the IMDb. Uh, basically, John Garrity is a um, architect slash structural engineer. Uh, he and his wife are having some marital problems and Marital problems. Uh, Gerald Butler plays John Garrity. Uh, Marina Bacharin plays Allison Garrity. Uh, and they have a son named Nathan. Um, now, uh, basically, uh, what happens is we discover that uh, the son has diabetes. We find that out pretty quick. And the thing that's interesting about that is it seems like every friggin' film has a child either with diabetes or asthma. Right. Yeah. yeah. You know, signs had the asthma. World War Z had the diabetes. This one had the diabetes. You know. So. Well, signs was it was really integral to the plot. Which what's that? Um, oh, signs. oh, right, 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 right. It, that's true. It really had to do with the end. Right, right. But my my point is, is that it's it's a trope that's done over and over and over, right? Yeah. It's one of I those things that bothers me. But go on, Mike. I think there might be a reason for that. Um, part of me wonders if it's just their way of making sure they're representing people with issues, oh. health issues. <laughs> but yeah, but actually, I think we have to we have to check every box. So yeah, let's do it. But actually, I think the the real. But then they they would be more likely to have it with adults. I think the real reason is that they want to be able to put kids in jeopardy. Without but they know if they have like somebody put a gun to a kid's head or have a child eaten by a bear. That most people, unlike myself, get some, there are a lot of people get really turned off by that, right, right? And will actually criticize a film for putting a kid in jeopardy. But when you put a kid in jeopardy because they don't have their medication for random disorder, that's okay. People don't get quite the same visceral response to it for whatever reason. That's fair. That's I fair. Mean, what do you think? Dead one way or another, but it's just. Right. Uh, you know. So what do you think? What do you think about that, John? Yeah, um, it kind of reminded me of that like old college game you did in debate class where you would uh, sit in a room and basically decide who you would save. And then uh, there would always be those 
debates of uh, you know the the construction person and then the school teacher, the nurse, and then it would be like a random you know uh, you know Both painter. Yeah. And oh. then the painter would always get like sacrificed or something. And then of course you'd have somebody or an artist or something. And then somebody in the class would get really passionate and angry. And they would say, no, the art, you need the artist if, if you're going to be post, you know, apocalyptic America or the world's because you need art. And then they, it wouldn't make any sense. Um, my point is, you know, these are, the children have some type of medical disorder and it's to, you know, strike the nerve of whether you would save the person or not, um, basically post-cataclysmic, uh, you know, apocalyptic event or whatever it is. You know, I think I think that's what, what it's thrown in there for. Like, would you save them or not? You know, is it the survival of the fittest or, unfortunately, you know, you're not, you're not strong, you don't survive? That's actually a, a good point because it's not only making the kid in jeopardy, it's also preventing all of them from qualifying to be saved in the first place because of someone that has a medical condition that would not be able to quote unquote survive after an apocalypse because again you're not going to have insulin for example it's a terrible plot I, device wouldn't the government I, have already known whether they had a child like that or not come on yeah that the is one of the did. stupidest things a, in this actually movie. that's not true the federal government is the most incompetent thing in the entire world at so this point they would be finding out everything about these last hundred or thousand um, people they're going to save I, they I like don't the they don't have a lot of time to do this um, yeah, it's only like a day or two that they know right, it's going to They didn't even know about it. Exactly. It was only 24 hours. So but now, I don't, John Noel the government said, probably knew John, long well, before that it was going to no, hit. No, Come on. No, no, because it, it split up and then uh, went towards the sun, and the heat of the sun um, boiled it, the... Science, uh, all the scientists says it wasn't going to happen, and Amy's We don't right. have anything from scientists in here. All we hear are news bulletins. We don't know what the government knew. We they don't know how they made all these decisions. They have it in the background, like um, right at the very beginning. Like I, I always listen for background stuff because um, as a writer, I know that people put it in there on purpose is when you can hear it. Um, and the, the TV is talking about that in the background, how um, there's going to be a big comet show, you know, and everybody was just excited to see it. But then they were saying that um, because it broke up and it was going towards the sun, sometimes the heat of the sun can um, misdirect the pieces and um, then they don't say anything for a while, and then they're like, "Oh shit!" Like, they had enough they're time all, for the bunkers. Crazy. The they bunkers had already time existed. For the bunkers. The bunkers already exist for 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 nuclear war. <laughs> but yeah. Either way, either way, uh, John Noel made a good point, which is uh, there was another movie, Schindler's List, uh, that I'm sure most of us have heard of if, if haven't seen it. Uh, there's a scene where uh, one of the 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 um, the ghetto folk, uh, you know, the, the, the Jewish ghetto, uh, he's a history teacher. And he goes, what do you mean people don't need history? History is important. And, and so his friends come over to the old man and say, no, no, he's a steel worker. He's really talented. And he goes, yeah, but that, you don't understand. And he goes, no, you're a steel worker. And he goes, right. oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm a, I'm a, a steel worker, well-trained. And then they give him the checkbox and then, then they don't send him to Auschwitz. So... Here, it's like, yeah, they're, they're choosing people based off of their skill set and their health. And who and, they're related to, because why would the wife get right, to go? Right, exactly, which makes sense. because no, people they're just gonna, choosing people who they're related to so that they're happy. And so right. they don't riot. That's right. <laughs> but then yeah. they let everyone know who's going that's and where they're going from. 
Well, they they weren't supposed to, right? It was what? they just they had announced it. on TV. No, they, because they, you're right. That they was announced her it. House. It was private TV that it was announced. It just happened they had all their friends over to watch the comet on the TV. And so twenty thousand people just happened to show up at the at the base where they were going to. Obviously, the word got out because this was not a well kept secret. Oh yeah, well all you have to do is have one one blogger to go on Twitter and say. Mm. There's a conspiracy, and then boom, it, it goes everywhere. I think they could have done a better job. <laughs> well, again, we don't we don't know those facts, but Barrett, again, we're wa- you even said it. We're watching based off of what the family sees, not what the world sees or society sees. Plus, it would be so a really boring. So, if you get a presidential movie. call, are you going to believe it or not? Are you going to start worrying right away and have a little party the same night, or no? He they got it. When he was at the grocery store with the party, the party was already begun. And he so you go home and you store. say, "Okay, everybody's got to go. I got to get he, back." He, no, the, man, dude, did he, I don't know if you saw the same film I did. He got went back and he says, "I got this call, but I don't know if it's real." And he's talking to his wife, and he has no idea it's coming through the TV. Exactly, not yet, because no. she was in the shower when it came through the TV on the first time. They they just have their fo- their phone set up where it's connected to their TV. My sister has that too, where yeah. it comes up. Not everybody has it, and the the, the thing doesn't go to everybody. Second, TV, I get that call to... on the phone. I'm going home and telling everybody they can leave now. That, that that's 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 exactly right, uh, Amy. Because when I used to have Comcast internet, I mean, I still have the internet, but when I had cable, I used to get the call. Yeah, I know how it works. I understand technology. I got how that works. I understand yeah, that came up on the TV. You know what I thought was a really cool part of that movie? I'm saying, uh, saying it for the listeners, Barrett, who may not know that. But anyway, go on, John. Yeah, I thought it was really cool, you know, growing up in the 80s and uh, seeing the, the space shuttle disaster on TV and, like, other things like watching the OJ chase live in the early 90s. Um, I thought it was really cool how they were watching from the living room, like, these uh, events unfold because a lot Florida. of us grew up doing that. Yeah, exactly, when yeah. Florida blew up. I think it hit Tampa, if I remember right. Yeah, it was Tampa. Yeah. Yeah, but again, um, they, they felt the blast too because it was so big. So that, yeah, yeah. Went outside. They, I thought they that said was really it was 1500. cool. Yeah. They said yeah. 1500, 1500 miles could you feel the blast? Is what they said. And and again, though, it, that was unexpected, right? It was only supposed to be that one chunk that was going in, and then as you mentioned, Amy, it broke up, and then that's when all, all the bigger chunks came flying back to Earth, and it hit. Well, they thought the it was going to hit the water, right? Because they had the camera view on the water. That's right. So they didn't even think it was going to hit land. That's right. That's right. And then, of course, they found out that there was more pieces after that because of uh, it broke up. Um, but yeah, I thought that was uh, tremendous. though, when he went outside and he felt that like uh, the sonic blast on the ground there came up the street. I thought that was tremendous special effects. I loved it. Yeah, it was cool. And the windows yeah. broke too. Yeah, the windows broke too. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And the car alarms went off and all that. Other stuff. I've actually experienced an explosion when I lived. Um, in New York at one point, there was some truck with explosives on it, and it blew up, and it was pretty far away, and it blew in our um, windows on part of our house. Oh well, my God. here's a great story. I, I used to work, uh, the company I work with now, I used to work actually downtown Boston, in, or I should say Charlestown, which was literally, uh, so I worked like across the, the river, Mystic, not Mystic River, uh, the Charles River from the, the uh, where the Bruins play. But next to my building where I worked, was the USS Constitution, the you know the the boat, and at every day at 9 a.m. and 9 p.m. they fire the cannons, and my first day at the job, 
I'm there. And you hear this boom. And all the car alarms go off in the parking lot. <laughs> and I'm like, holy shit, there's terrorists. <laughs> you know, and, and, and because Osama bin Laden's family lived in like this apartment building on the other side of the USS Constitution. And they all bailed <laughs> after 9-11 because, you know, obviously they, they were yeah. to get the hell out of the country. But so everybody just freaked out. And, and they, they said, no, no, Phil, Phil. This happens every day, but we all jump <laughs> our first time day on the work too. And I say, "Oh, all right, all right, yeah." So I know what you mean. Those 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 powerful explosions could shake everything, and and um, and further than you'd think too. Yeah, it's not. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah. So so the movie did pay attention to detail. So you got to give it credit there too. Um, now, Mike, you're you're a, a, uh, even though you're biology major you you do have a science degree um what amy mentioned about the comet bouncing back uh would you have any knowledge of that or are you pretty much the same as all of us which is we're not quite sure but it it works for the movie i have no idea about the astrophysics of a comet i do know that if you get a comet of a sufficient size those things are moving at like you know you know in miles per second, you know, thousands and thousands of miles an hour, anything going through space is traveling at an absurdly high velocity. And so you're basically shooting the earth with a massive bullet. Um, yeah. And we're, we're, you're, yeah, it's, you're pretty well fucked. I still don't understand how anything survived the, uh, the dinosaur collision, right. you know, uh, yeah. at least anything on land, you know, because you know, that like, if the physics is right on it and I kind of expect them to be good at doing that math, you know, you're talking about, you know, the, the Earth's atmosphere going up to high oven temperatures. So how right. anything survived, it kind of baffles me, besides like cicadas. Yeah. Yeah, right, right. There's actually um, a lake uh, over the border in Quebec, uh, Canada. Um, far up, though. Uh, it's like, you still, it's like two mile, two to three miles even north of uh, Quebec City. There's, there's a huge lake that is literally a complete circle. And then they have this island in the middle, and it was a meteor, and and it was like the size of like, like, um, like twelve towns, so it's huge. And so even a little meteor like that, I wonder what that did compared to the one that wiped out the dinosaurs. Um, yeah, it's kind of kind of amazing. Um, now, um, all right, so we'll, let's let's do this. We'll just throw up the the spoiler alert at this point, because we're going to talk about everything and anything uh, that comes to mind. We're not going to go, you know, the whole movie plot. We're going to just pick out points and discuss what we think and stuff. Uh, so uh, the spoiler alert is up. So if you haven't seen the film, we're going to spoil it, but uh, we're definitely going to uh, explain it and give our thoughts on things that may uh, interest everybody who, um, you know, will want to check the film out. Um, all right. Yeah. So let's talk about this, this, thing this this uh government phone call thing uh, or alert uh, if you prefer it's like an amber alert um and basically he's at the grocery store picking up beer wine juice boxes all this other stuff with his son for his diabetic child <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't i don't, know, I don't know how that works i have no idea how that works yeah i don't either so i, I don't i don't have a, a child that know a child it, that it just seemed weird to me <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I mean, well, I think I think maybe he's going to try trying to get away with something. The way he said it, he's like, "Can I have a juice box?" Kind of like, "Dad, you don't know what's going on here. Let me have my treat." Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe so makes sense. Yeah, I mean, why not? Um, so 
the yeah, so he gets this alert that says you, your wife, and your son uh, have been chosen for uh, evacuation. Um, and earlier in the parking lot, like ten minutes earlier, they at the grocery store they see all these military planes flying by and helicopters and and various jeeps and Humvees and whatever. So they know something's up. Um, and it doesn't give any information. It just says you've been selected. It doesn't say, hey, you're going to need to go to this place. Right. Or anything. Bring so one we, bag. we know. Yeah. We'll figure it out. We figure out why later, right? Because when she, he's talking to someone else, someone else says his mother got picked because she's a medical doctor. And then he and she he asked, what do you do for a living? He goes, I'm a structural engineer. He goes, there you go. That's the reason why they picked you. So um, let's let's talk about that. Barrett, you said you had some problems with it. I, I don't know. I, I see your point. but I Obviously, everybody thinks it's great, but I, I just had problems with it. I thought it was poorly, poorly implemented in the movie. It didn't it, – it kind of – threw me out of the movie it seemed all it seemed like it was done that way to move the plot a particular way that they wanted to which was for all this chaos at the airport for all this stuff to force them into hurried decisions and i don't know it just didn't it didn't feel right something about it didn't feel right to me it just was not a well the whole thing first, what, me, right? what felt wrong to me is that this is the federal government we're talking about and they get like now we we are, we never get this isn't like Deep Impact or uh, Independence Day or uh, Armageddon. We never get to see what the bigwigs are saying, and what the yeah. scientists are saying. So maybe they knew more than we did, but they basically explain how the comet is fuzzy and they can't really make out the head of the comet and exactly where it's going. So there's a lot of error in its trajectory. But we're kind of led to believe that the government. Like, within a few hours of finding out that this thing is going to destroy the Earth in, I think, about 48 hours was the original window, uh, has somehow managed to successfully send a a text message to every single important person they've they've whittled down. They've managed to list, I'm going to assume, the 330 million American citizens and figured out which of that number deserved to be saved. And that just does not sound like my federal government. (laughs) <laughs> I, yeah, I'm, I'm actually not someone who thinks the federal government can't do anything right. There are some things they can do right, some things they do really wrong, and it you never know when it's going to be. It could be uh, right I, this but time I don't and not to be right done, the next. Done that well that quickly, but I'm willing to accept that as a necessity to move the story along. <laughs> right? You know, it, and that's it. You know, it's that, and we've we've often talked about this on the on the the main podcast. The willing suspension of disbelief that if it's a thing that's needed to move the story along, especially if it's introduced early in the film, I am willing to suspend my disbelief. You know, I am willing to suspend my disbelief that this system is set up because we have to move the story along. I'm also willing to believe that Superman can fly. I would not, however, be willing to believe that Gerard Butler can fly because that's a completely different thing and it has nothing to do with this movie. You know, so it all just depends on on the context of the film. I would normally feel that way. It just this one, it just didn't feel it didn't hit me right, and so I couldn't. It pulled me out of the movie. Well, let me ask you this, Barrett, uh, and not related to the movie, but it just in general. Do you think the federal government, assuming that they have some sort of uh, record? Of everybody, I mean, you know, you know, we uh, in the movie Seven by David Fincher. There's, there's a when they're looking up uh, library 
a stop to see if there's any connection of people getting you know cult books and devil books and all that they 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 get the fbi they give them stuff under the table because everybody who does research whether it's internet library whatever it all goes right to this big database in the middle of nowhere do you think do you think the government has the knowledge of like okay gerald butler is is his character is one of the best structural engineers in the country we have to add him to any list for here's here's what i think i think the government probably knows a lot more than we think they do but i also think that if they can narrow down the list to who they need to take and decide to take their family members they'd also find out if their family members were sick that's fair and they'd pick a different structural engineer Right. I mean, all right. So that's an oversight. How many structural but... engineers are there? Sorry, John. How, how many out-of-date government records are there? I just got a letter from today. I just got, or I guess, sorry, yesterday. I just got a letter because I didn't check my mail yesterday, so I opened it today. I got a letter here from the New York Department of Labor asking me to verify for the unemployment insurance I applied for that I never applied for. <laughs> so... Um, you have to question how up-to-date their records are. This is a seven-year-old boy. We don't know when he got diagnosed with, with type 1 diabetes. He might Very have been true. diagnosed six months earlier. So their government records may be out of date. Um, I'm perfectly willing to accept that the government has a list of government contractors that they think are important, and they may have assembled this list in haste, and all they knew is, like, from, you know, he's a dependent who is, you know, who is on his like uh, like the insurance records and whatnot, but maybe didn't have a chance to, because there are HIPAA laws that are involved here where maybe they don't know exactly what's going on. Well, with I song. don't think they're worried yeah, about that, laws at that point. Right, right. I, I but, mean, I mean, but, it's, but I time, remember, again, they have a, they have very, very short notice. Yeah. Well, like I, I remember, um, you, know, you know, I got called for jury duty and then a month, a year later I get called again. And so all I had to do was email them. I mean, send a letter back or call them on the phone and say, I did it last year. And they say, all right, then I don't have to do it because technically you're supposed to, you get every five years or something or three years or something like that. So if they just, our computer's just spitting out your name continuously, it just shows you that, you know, they're kind of incompetent and such. But John, well, let me just say this. John, I think gonna, we spent well, John, too much time talking well, John, about the issue well, than, was, than I feel about it. Well, John was <laughs> saying something. What were you going to say, John? Well, I, I do think the government already has this list. Call me crazy, but um, <laughs> I do think they have one as we speak. And they do have a, for instance, in case there is some type of massive volcano eruption or aliens do attack. Maybe or I'm China. just being. Uh, say again, or China. Yeah, right. Exactly. But if, my dad watched this movie. He's uh, my dad's 81 years old. He watched this movie, and I called him the next day. Say, hey, what do you think of Greenland? He's like, oh yeah, they had those bunkers up in Greenland back in the Cold War. They're real. And I'm like, no. And then I of course looked on the Wikipedia's, <laughs> and sure enough, they do exist. Oh yeah. So yeah. But right. that'll make Colorado too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, so, yeah but, that, but that's going back to a time when everybody was building bomb shelters. Right. You know. That the government was expecting a nuclear attack. So the idea that these things were in place and they just never took them down, that doesn't shock me. You know, they had the places for the uh, undisclosed locations for 9-11 where they had to hide Bush and hide Cheney. You know, those are already pre-established in case an emergency happens. I think that's a very different thing than decades after a Cold War that they were that they were prepared for having a complete list of citizens. I mean, they might have it, but I just don't know the the list is going to be that up to date. I'd be perfectly well, willing to bet there are dead people getting that text message. 
Well, the reason I, I think they, they could still, yeah, you're probably right, Mike. Yeah. But but <laughs> sure. I, I do believe these bunkers are probably were and still are prepared even prior to the China threat, because even with the collapse of Russia, you still had China, you still had North Korea, you still have Iran, you still had uh, fifth, 16 new Soviet republics that are now independent, and which ones are going to be crazy and which ones are going to fall into chaos. You know, and unfortunately, none of that actually happened. You just have... You know, do you like think Russia the bunkers turned... are still maintained? And I, I would think so, would would think so yes. Because, yes, and the reason I do is because the nukes are still there, even if Russia, uh, even if the Soviet Union was not still there. Right? There's always going to be a place for rich people to go. And, there's always, and China was, was always on the rise anyway. And then Russia is still a powerhouse, even if they're not the Soviet Union anymore. And they still have all the nukes. I, I don't know if they're still maintained. You know, sort of like, you know, Yucca Mountain. I doubt that that's still maintained, but I think that it's necessary for it to be maintained in this film, and I'm willing to accept <laughs> it for the purposes of this movie. That's a fair point, Mike. Yeah. That, I, that's a really I have a, a, thing, a point, too. Um, I, I listened to a podcast called Stuff They Don't Want You to Know, and they had a couple episodes, I think about a year or two ago, where they um, explored the topic, and apparently there are they are maintained, at least the ones in Colorado, and there's people that work there in like the, the say the subway or whatever. They have like places. They have um, a full like infrastructure in there. And um, it's as far as anybody knows, it's still going, and people are still working there, going in and out. And you don't really know how they do it, but they they yeah, I can are see Colorado. I can yeah. see Colorado being maintained. That I definitely can see. Yeah. Well, but I mean, there's still in the military. There's still black ops and secret ops and all the other stuff. So why would I think? You know, I'm I, maybe I'm just too optimistic that our government has a plan for the absolute worst case scenario, you know, but they have secret off black ops and whatever. So this could be one of them. I don't know. Just a theory. Well, here's the thing. That's a fair point. Like if you were in a coma for the last two weeks and you woke up and heard that there's like a global supply problem because of a because nobody can get through the Suez Canal, um, you know, you might think, is it a terrorist strike? No. Was there a natural disaster? No. Was there like a, a labor strife? No. What happened? Someone fucked up a U-turn. <laughs> right, right. Well, there and was blocking the Suez There was canal. a desert storm that came through that supposedly threw off their yeah yeah the wind. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But but who would have <laughs> right right but but I mean if you woke up two weeks later and you heard the Suez Canal was closed the, the, that's the last thing you're going to think of right it's going to be all the Don't other they things have a that plan for said. that. <laughs> and they don't. And they, no. don't. they don't know how to get it out. But again, though, that's Egypt. That's not the. That's not uh, another country. So maybe Egypt is incompetent. I have no idea. I mean, which know. all goes back in the movie to why disaster movies focus on like one family? Because when you wake up from whatever coma or whatever, very few people are focused on what's happening in Egypt. They're focused on what's happening to themselves, their little kid. And that makes it immediate. That makes the story immediate to people, which is why they focus on one family and why they use the overused trope of the kid having getting sick because it's it's a cheap way to get people very interested and very passionate about something. Well, as my final note, this we've talked way more about it than I feel feel strongly about it, and. It's an interesting thing to talk about. It bothered me a lot. I understand that it didn't bother everyone as much as it bothered me. It just pulled me out of the movie, which is unfortunate. Right. And, but you do have a fair point, though, Barrett. And, and, uh, and I don't want your 
your opinion to be poo-pooed because technically you're right. You know, you would think maybe, maybe they should have known that the kid had diabetes because they know who he is. Right. So you would think they would check his family, but maybe it was some incompetent bozo who said, Oh, he's the best structural engineer uh, in the central, <laughs> in central United States. And maybe he is. Him. Yeah. And he, maybe he is. He probably is. And they say, so let's just grab him. Uh, what about his family? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're fine. He's just as a kid in a, in a way. What's so, ultimately you know. ironic is that they end up in the same place that if they had just let them go, there'd been no drama. Right. <laughs> that, that's true. That's the whole point is, is the movie is about drama. I mean, yeah, I also know. going with the, um, the, the alert thing, if the alert worked perfectly and like other people didn't find out about it, there wouldn't be an interesting movie. They would have just like gone to Greenland and everybody would have gotten to all the shelters and, you know, and then movie over, there'd be some cool sunsets. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, well and I think a lot of that, it is the, the, the alert w- was just a cool, it w- was most certainly a cool, scary moment. It's like, holy shit, an alert. And no one else is getting the alert. And then you think it's an Amber alert. And then he looks at his phone and it says U S federal department of defense or something. It's like, holy shit, what's that? You know? So it kind of, like took me and my wife, you know, like, whoa, that's pretty, pretty kind of cool idea. So I like that idea. Um, I do though agree with, with Barrett though is, yeah. I mean, if you have one person, you know, that gets the alert and says, I don't like this and goes to Twitter and boom, sends it on Twitter. Everybody's going to know about it. And that's how yeah. they find out, you know, so like, couldn't they have had teams go get the people that are supposed to go? I mean, that might've seemed like a better idea to me. I don't know. Uh, yeah, maybe that's that a lot of people, but still they had a lot of soldiers at all these camps trying to defend them to yeah, keep people good... that had found out from getting that's in. A, that's an excellent point, Bert, because but, also you got to remember how many people every... does that involve? That's true. There's going to be a lot of people that are going to be involved to take away from more important matters. But you have a good point there, Barrett, because why, uh, like, not everybody who's a structural engineer or a medical doctor is going to be a, a realist. They're going to be the government is evil, right. fascist, white, privileged scumbags. I'm telling everybody, you know, and even though they're skilled, that doesn't mean they're going to be just be on board and say, all right, we got to do what we got to do. Well, this is how it is. I would also say logistically, it's faster to to text people and have them come than to send people to their eat to each home individually. Even if you're sending multiple groups of people, that's one journey, and then escorting yeah. them to the base, you've now doubled the length of time it's going to take for them to get there. Except by people, letting people know, me. everybody knew, and they quadrupled the time to get there because all the roads were closed off because they there were well, so many cars going everywhere. E- either way, it's it's a problem because if they did it the where they had the government come and get you, whether it's men in black or whether it's military, that's going to bring up the alarm for everybody in the neighborhood. Yeah, and you, it would still be found out eventually. Oh, I yeah. Mean, probably sooner than they would want it to be found out, but they still could – if they didn't have the location known where these people were going, they could still go in because people don't know who's going to get picked. They I, did I, this, this. Right. <laughs> I, I assume that let's say there was room for, I'll throw out a random number, 10,000 people. I'm going to assume they notified 50 to 100,000 people, knowing right. that a large chunk of them would not be able to make it. Or right. would Just like Coast Encounters, Mike, the aliens. Right. The grades, they, they <laughs> hundreds of thousands of people and only 10 make it or two. Right. And, and, and really talk about implausibility. 
you know, I found the fact that they were able to get within walking distance of the airport to be kind of implausible. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I have a, a point, too, about implausibility. Um, the the lady goes up to um, the other lady is com- complaining about her kid not being able to go. And the lady's like, my entire family wasn't selected. Ninety what was it? Ninety nine percent of the military was not selected. Yes. Why are they working? Why are they doing their thing? I mean, well, no, no, no. The, the military annoyed. was selected. Their families weren't. That's what the one. No, said. she go, No, she go, No, she oh, said sure. they weren't selected. Yeah. And that ninety nine percent of the military I wasn't. I swore she was talking about her families, not her specifically. In other, in other words, she goes, "You don't understand what would happen if if your family wasn't selected." And then she, she says, "Yeah, it, we." They weren't selected, so I assumed she was just meaning her family, not her specifically. I, I think well, if she was selected, then she'd have people to go with her because he did. Yeah, he got no, his the whole family. The militaries are indentured servants, or, or let me rephrase, <laughs> are, are, serve, are are hired, were, were uh, volunteered to have the job, which means that they have to listen to their employer because that's part of the job, and their employer says we can't take your family. And well, there'd be uh, too many military to go into all those bunkers. I mean, you wouldn't be getting anybody else if you just picked right. the military. Well, I think, I think the film definitely is a has a pro-military stance in that all the military people we see seem to be nice. Yeah, they seem to be good at their job. They're yeah. all helpful. Yeah. You know, there's like when, when Monica Baccarin just jumps to the head of the line, somehow manages to cut to the head of the line. Yeah, but, and somehow they have a line that's actually in a line. I don't know yeah. how that happens. Um, at the end of the world, you can't do that if you're giving away free thermoses. But <laughs> end of the world, get on the bus. That they get everyone to stand in line. So she no. cuts to it to say, "Hey, I can't find my son." And there's a guy saying, "Oh yeah, no problem, lady. Come on over here. Let me help you find your son." Um, <laughs> so I think all the military people in this film are portrayed as, as super helpful. Um, as, and, as super organized and able to organize these mass crowds and and they're all perfectly willing to say, I know I'm going to die and my family is going to die, but I am going to do what I can do to help humanity to survive. And I'm sure there will be people like that. I am (laughs) also sure that we, that there are people that would have said, Fuck y'all! I'm going home, and mm-hmm. I would have at least liked to see some of those folks. Yeah. So that's well, well, not well, the story they were telling. Well, let me ask ask John. Um, John, uh, Olympus is falling. I made a mistake. Uh, he didn't direct Olympus is falling, but he directed the sequels. Um, oh. The, this director. So Chris, even though the film, this film here, is written by Chris Sparling, uh, the director of the film is. Um, and I'll say his name again. Rick Roman Woe. Uh, so he's basically taken over. Um, that franchise, the, the Has Fallen films, are those pro-government, pro-military? In other words, maybe, maybe the director leans towards um, making the, the government and military look good. And you said you saw some of these films? Yeah, I mean, I my take on it is that they were definitely pro-military. And I think that's a hot take. It's hilarious that, yeah, here we are going to be the end of the world, but yet the the U.S. military is going to be super helpful, almost like a greeter at Walmart. It's like kind of unbelievable. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, definitely a pro-military stance. Uh, but I, I'll tell you from my experience uh, dealing like with, uh, you know, the aftermath of Hurricane Katrina in the Alabama Gulf Coast, 
you know, there were cops that were like, I'm not going to work in the middle of this. I'm out of here. And then there were cops that worked right through it. So, yeah, you're right. You'll get good uh, military folks that would toe the line and you get the other ones that would dip and be like, I'm out of here. But yeah, right. uh, certainly not to the level that we saw in this movie. So that's kind of funny. If there was, I think if there was the novelization by Alan Dean Foster of the Greenland <laughs> movie that like the lady – like that, they, that she, that like, but none of my family was selected. We would have gotten like an inner monologue about why she was there and helping. But yeah. it, in the end, it's not her story. In the end, it's not the yeah. story about the military deserters. If this was a five-hour limited series on TV, um, miniseries, then then you could have had all these interesting sort of side stories. Um, I think, and I mentioned Independence Day earlier, right? Remember, Independence Day started with a bunch of different characters, and some of them did not make it through the initial attack, right? But we gave us different people responding to the the alien invasion in a different way, like Harvey Firestein, you know, you know, he just I gotta call my mother, I gotta call my therapist, uh, <laughs> or the lady, you know, up on the top of the roof with the sign saying "Beam me up, Scotty," and, and all that. Um, so you would have seen different people reacting differently, but this was so narrowly focused on just this one family that we didn't get a lot of those side stories. I still think you could have gotten, uh, like in the truck, there could have been like a soldier in the truck who just abandoned hey, well, during the riot. Yeah. You know, yeah. you could have had a soldier with a gun was part of the riot. Um, but I also think that what happens, like with Olympus down or Olympus has fallen, whatever it is, sort of like the Michael Bay movies. If you want to use the military, you have to suck up to the military. Yeah, that is actually true. That's true. They, they yeah. have big um, big contracts with military to be able to use all their stuff. And since you could see so much of it, they must have had that. Right. And the other right. alternatives to go you know, raid whatever props were left from MASH. And you just... <laughs> Those might right, be a little right. old now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they'd be using Jeeps instead of Humvees, and it's like yeah. they have Jeeps for 50 years. Um, but I, I have to say that um, if, if to play devil's advocate, who are these military folk that are still at the base, it's the ones that have an AWOD, meaning they're the, they're the true believers. They're the ones that believe in duty. They're the, you know, they're there because of country, not because of, gee, I just need to find a job because I don't know what to do with my life. So the ones that would be the second group that I just mentioned, they're, they're already gone, right? And and so it doesn't matter. And again, as Mike said, it's not their story. It's it's this the the, the, the Garrity family story and the soldiers they would meet, at least on the base, you would think would be kind and helpful because they're true believers, the ones that are left, the soldiers that are left. Yeah, that's a good take, Phil. I like that because you're right. The ones the ones that aren't going to be there were already dipped. They already knew that yeah. the end is coming. They would have been like, I'm not going to be here anyway. You're right. Good point. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, that at least yeah, that is acceptable. I can accept that. You know, they're all so nice because of that. I was glad that they were nice, though, because it was nice. It was high points of the movie for me. Yeah, and and it's also oddly in twenty twenty one original, right? I mean, you know, yeah. fifty years ago, the military they would have portrayed as good anyway. But most films nowadays, they're evil. Bastards, fascists, you know, all that crap. And, but in no, this but, one, they're almost the only people that are good. I mean, there's a few good ones here and there, but the rest of the movie is pretty grim as far as well, how people are treating each other. There yeah. was there's a couple of things that stood out to me, and I know I know you guys aren't going to really want to talk about this, but I did notice that 
um, however the movie portrayed um, people's like um, races and uh, community groups and stuff, I noticed that all of the people that helped them seemed to be like either minorities or people that were like the low workers, like people on the ground sort of working, you know, yeah. um, boots to the ground. Well, um, like there was the uh, I Hispanic, that. Hispanic people that picked her up. Yeah, no, and, and how, uh, yeah, 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 the, the second, yeah. She spoke Spanish. The second, the second right, right, right. Yeah, the second group. Yeah, but the first group. I, they I, were just stupid. I, I, I like that what you said, Amy. And again, I don't, I don't think it's necessarily, um, you know, uh, minorities. I mean, maybe in this film they purposely said, all right, let's use, you know, low, low, low income folk here or minorities here or whatever there. But generally, as we've seen in a lot of films. Uh, or even TV shows, you know, Mike, you're, you've been a fan of The Walking Dead. When groups get together at the end, end they become family in a sense. So you, you even though no matter what backgrounds you come from, I mean, we did Black Summer, right? Black Summer was a great yeah. one to talk about. Uh, because in Black, <laughs> Summer, in, in Black Summer, you had all these people that came together that have nothing in common, but they could trust each other. And then they become a family. And it, whether they're no matter what their heritage is or background or whatever, they become a family. So if an outsider hurts one of their family, the outsider is going to be taken down because the people that they're hurting are people they trust. And so therefore they want to hold on to those people. And so yeah, one of I those think, people didn't even speak English in that, in that black summer. And she was still part of the family right. because she had done so much for them, even though she couldn't, they couldn't understand each other very well. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and again, you know, I mean, even nowadays, I mean, they, they use the racial issue uh, in in the United States as the number one thing that's splitting the society, which is not true. The, the, the number mm-hmm. one that's splitting society is, is political beliefs. And so, if, you know, it doesn't a lot of there is bigots, no doubt. But a lot of the a lot of the oddly, I mean, let me rephrase, there's a lot of racism, no doubt. But the majority of the bigotry nowadays has nothing to do with race. It has to do with with uh political and religious issues and intersectionality and all these other things. And so you, you have, have, uh, you know, a, you know, a black Republican Senator in, from the Carolinas who gets attacked because he's a Republican, you know, you see what I'm saying? So, so it just happens that a lot of stuff like that isn't as would it, at the end of the world, again, you're still going to have your bigots, but a lot of it, I think would be, you would just, cling to the whoever is going to be helping you. Yeah, I noticed in the movie that, that that was just one of the things in it. Um, no, and, and, it's, it's fair. and it was yeah. nice to see that point. people were helping. Yeah, yeah and I, I noticed that too, Amy, and I, I part of me wonders if it's just like all the main characters in this movie are, are well, Monica Baccarin, I guess, what is she part? She's, she's, part? she's No, she's, she's 100% Italian ancestry, similar to the Pope, but she's from oh, South okay. Just like the Pope. Oh, okay. So, All right. So, so her, her native language is Portuguese because she's from Brazil, but she's 100% ethnically white. Though she would, and she wouldn't be considered Latino because she's from Brazil, not from a Spanish-speaking country. Okay. So all of the major characters in this film are white, yeah. and so probably they don't want to be like the one black guy in the film is an asshole. Um, yeah. Right. Yeah, they would be a little insensitive for that. And now, I I didn't like keep a tally, but I could think of three black people that they came across. You know, one was the black soldier. One was the black guy in the truck. 
and one doctor. was a black guy in the drugstore, and all three were helpful. Yep. Yeah. Right. Oh, and don't forget the black doctor, too. The, the one that brought her yep. to find her son in the, the Okay, camp. there you go. So there's four. Right. And then the, so, black, the black neighbor who was, who was married to the white guy that was good friends with Gerald Butler's character. Yeah, but you didn't really get to see much. Like, she didn't get a moment of being helpful or not helpful. You just kind of saw right, her right, running right. after them at the end going, hey! And we don't know what she was going right, to say. You're right. But the other four were, were all help, uh, positive uh, people, good people. Right. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I think this, all things considered... I think this had a this whole film in general had a more positive view of humanity than um a lot of similar films. That's true. Um yes, there were there were some assholes in there because that would be completely implausible if it wasn't. <laughs> but um I think Dark Discussions podcast host Eric Webster would find this completely <laughs> implausible. Uh, the man whose family motto is people suck. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, because when you really think about it, Mike, every character in the movie, besides the the white couple in the car who were friendly and, at first, and was really besides just those guy. two people, every other person, whether they were white or minority or rich or poor, were were were, were good people generally. Well, the guys in the truck weren't good. The ones trying. To oh yeah, you get this. Uh, you get yeah. this. So you had four records. people that were really kind of not great. Yeah, you, right. You had four bad guys. But but you know like the, like the airplane pilot he was a great guy, um, the whole the, everybody on the plane was a great great, you know. So but you're right. I forgot about the two two trucks in the back. That of the, pilot got the screwed by Gerard Butler's 200 pounds. I bet that weight took him right into the mountain. He might have stopped oh. short if it wasn't for him. Actually, you would think the the weight would have would have slowed down the the plane. Well, in fairness, it saved three people to his one. Oh, so, well, yeah, he got screwed. Well, the co-pilot. Uh, okay, well, it saved, it saved three people to two, and 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 one of them was a young person, so maybe has a better shot than the two older pilots. Just a thought. Um, the devil's arithmetic still comes out in favor of helping them, I think. Um, yeah, but I'm mean, look. This is this is yeah. This is what it is, right? You 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 do the math. Um, like I, a good example of the positivity of humanity in this. Is um is the father right before they leave hands Gerard Butler a gun? Yes. Now we all know what that means. He's going to have to use the gun, and he never does. And he never does. does. So there was really no point in him giving them a gun. Now was there? Other than you know, it makes sense from a story point of view. But yeah. But we are conditioned to the that that is Chekhov's unused gun. That is a violation of Chekhov's rule right there. Oh, good point. Good point. Um. Well, now, now I look, because it's become a running joke on the podcast, I'm always looking for the Chekhov's, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, Chekhov's diabetes, Chekhov's insulin. Yeah, we're talking uh, that all the time now. Chekhov's yeah. bracelet. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so it's... A, no, admittedly, there wasn't a whole lot of the film left, but they do get into a couple... He didn't, like, pull the gun on the pilot. There wasn't somebody on the plane saying, no, you can't get on. He pulls the gun off, let me on this plane, motherfucker. You know, I don't get that. Um, you know, when they're, when they're caught in the firestorm in upstate New York and have to hide under the bridge, you know, there in was fact, no, he goes out and saves somebody at that point. Not just Gerald Butler, but a couple other people go out and help too. Yeah. yeah because I think partly he's doing it cause he's trying to atone for what he feels guilt for earlier. Oh yeah. Um, you know, that was really cool. How he actually in a movie, somebody killed somebody and actually felt really bad about it. Yeah. 
he didn't feel good about it. And he, you saw that at the second it, it hit the other guy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, but that that's a, a really good point, is that obviously you could say that that makes Gerald's Butler character more likable, and that's the reason why they had that scene, specifically to make his character a better, uh, I guess, a protagonist. But as Mike mentioned, they also – well, I mentioned it, but Mike made the point, which is – uh, other people went out to save the, the 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 guy in the car too. I mean, or the woman, or whoever it was in the car too, but not just Gerald Butler. And they didn't have to have the other people do it, right? You know, but they did decided to write that in the script because, as Mike said, the, the movie is obviously trying to portray people uh, in a more positive light than what we we usually feel. You know, as what Eric Webster would say, people suck. Now, I got to ask a question. So the two, the white couple that takes the kid is, it just seemed like the dumbest plan ever. Yeah. This kid's already been rejected and you're going to try and get through with somebody else's band with the kid right. and you don't even have enough bands for all of you. Right. Yeah. But you know what? People are desperate. Yeah. and. And so they'll do stupid things like that and just hope because what else can you do? Though it wouldn't be me. And it may not be anybody here on this podcast, but there are people that moral uh, ethics suddenly collapse during the grand panic, you know, and, and well, this this guy, it happened. And, and I'd also argue people are often fucking stupid. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's true. Um, yeah, even when they're educated, you, you, you can just go on Twitter and see Ivy League people say the most stupidest things, you know. Yeah. But yeah, why I just don't talk because I know that's how I'd look. <laughs> Mike, continue. I'm sorry to interrupt you. you no, were... that was it. That was pretty much it. It's just people do stupid things. People do stupid shit all the time. Intelligent people do stupid shit all the time, especially when they're under pressure, which is always my argument. Whenever people talk about how stupid characters are when they're being attacked by a killer or running away from a rolling spaceship. Or, or, for, or forgetting. Or forget. Or forgetting the diabetes, checking for the diabetes medication. Checking the diabetes, right. When you're under stress, you forget things, you make careless mistakes. You, you ignore you, things. You ignore things, you rely on instincts, you, or, or, you know, or you may you get either hostile have too in a situation where you shouldn't. Yeah, yeah, you have too much trust or you have too little trust, and, and you cause even more issues. Yeah. yeah, It's like that commercial, they say, no, 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 let's go hide o over there behind those chainsaws. Yes, perfect. <laughs> I love that oh, commercial. Right. That, that's a great commercial. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> and then they're like, let's go hide in the cemetery. Like, <laughs> yeah, right, right. Exactly. <laughs> that's awesome. A couple of things I wanted to point out was the wristbands. Like, it seemed to me that it would be a good idea not to advertise that you have the damn wristbands in the first place. And that's really got them in a lot of problems. Like, why didn't you just pull your sleeves down or cut the wristband off? Cause you know, that's, it's going to come up. And also they seem to stop caring about the diabetes medicine, like halfway through the movie, like when they were like running to the plane and stuff, they weren't carrying anything in their hands. Like they didn't have any coats on that. They could have like had the, uh, stuff stuff well, he in. carried he he carried the whole medicine the whole movie so he had it on the plane the little little package well and they got more got from the, the army uh, right yeah. and then they also got some from the the pharmacy grocery store as well and but you're right i mean if this was a book 
our miniseries, they would have showed them a pause in the story to have him, you know, take his insulin shot or something. But what I think they were doing is, is they just they showed okay they they got the medicine at the grocery slash pharmacy. The people the black guy let him go. Oh, there's another yeah, like you said, Mike the the black guy at the, at the pharmacy. He said yeah, go go on. You know we know he had they have the medicine, so let's not bother showing them do the injection because that's just another three minutes of movie time that we don't need. Um, so yeah, that's what that's. I mean, that's playing devil's advocate. You know, I'm just you know trying to explain things. Yeah, uh, that was just that was the um, MacGuffin that I thought disappeared. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, again, I, I think they would have if it was a book or a miniseries. They they would have probably showed that extra three minutes. Uh, well, he had a pump, the movie was so, already like, I mean, an hour if the, oh, go he on. had a pump, so if that pump was full, they didn't have to worry about it. But yeah, they didn't see anything when they were jumping on the plane either. Right, but he, he had that little bag the whole time. He had he's, he yeah. held the whole time. It was it was um, I don't know where he, he held it when he jumped on the plane, but he supposedly had it the whole time. Um, let's see, uh, what other things did we want to talk about? Let's talk a little bit about uh, John Glenn's character, the grandfather. So basically, uh, they Scott meet Glenn. up, they meet up in Kentucky. Uh, at his ranch, so it appears she comes from wealth because it is a pretty nice uh, location. He had the horses and all that. Um, but either way, John Scott Glenn, who's Dale, Allison's father, um, his character. Now, Amy, you mentioned that he has, you know, he usually plays like the person of wisdom or whatever. He always plays the the heavy, heavy not a heavy as in bad guy, but heavy military, you know, police officer type or whatever, strong, you know, alpha male. Uh, character actor that he's become and, and he's a great actor um, what do we want to talk about all that because he, he has a, a little speech about staying behind and stuff because he he could have gone because again at this point they're not going to the military base anymore they're, they're going to Osgood uh, Ontario to try to jump on a plane there where um, this guy the, that he met in a um, a, as, as a hitchhiker earlier, told him about. Um, what do we want to talk about John Glenn's character? Anybody want to start? John, what about you, John? No. What, what, what do you think? Noel. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think he's great. I mean, all the way back to when he was in The Hunt for Red October, if you remember when he was in that movie. Um, he's He reminds me of that Richard Farnsworth. He's always like that guy, uh, I think like Amy said, he's like got oodles of wisdom about him, and he seems like he's you know, pretty conservative, uh, all-American type, if you will, you know, whatever that means nowadays. But, um, yeah, I think he's tremendous in everything he does. Everything he touches, I think, is excellent. Now, what about um, his role in this film here? Um, what, what did you think about him? He, like, he, he forgives his son-in-law pretty easily, which makes sense, especially since him and the, the his daughter were getting closer again after some marital problems. And then the whole thing about him... Be, trying to say, you know, I'm going to stay here. My time is past. You know, my wife died right here. I'm going to go with her. It doesn't matter if it's from a heart attack or a comet. This is this is the place. Uh, what did you think of that whole scene in general? Yeah, I mean, I thought it was. Uh, I, I mean, I thought it was excellent. I mean, obviously, he had some uh, resentment towards um, uh, Gerald Butler. Yeah, you know, John Garrity's character because he, you know, he had an infidelity with the wife or whatever, but he obviously forgave him, um, and he gave him that that spiel about, hey, this is my place to, you know, live and my place to die. It's fine. He gave him the gun. He gave him his beautiful Dodge Gold dually truck, 
which obviously he couldn't, he wouldn't have parted with that very easily. You know, obviously he loved that thing. Um, but, uh, yeah, overall it was a good, that, that, that he was a redeeming character to be selfless, so to speak. You know, again, it's like this, uh, you know, constant throughout the movie that most of the people in the, in the movie are pretty, pretty damn good. And he was certainly, you know, one of them. Yeah. That's, that's a good point, John, because not only does he give the gun to, um, John Garrity, but he also gives the truck to John for John Garrity, you know, and this is his, his, you know, his vehicle. This is his Harley Davidson, if, if you prefer. And then, and then figuratively, not once, but now a second time, he gives his daughter as well, and in this case, his grandson to John Garrity too, and says, "Do what you got to do." Um, so he's basically giving Garrity everything. That well, yeah, go on, Mark. He's old. He's going to die in. 24 hours, you know, he's, he, he wants his wife, his, not his wife, his daughter and his son, his grandson to survive. This is the best way to do it. Whatever his feelings about John. That's true. That's true. So, because even though we can look at it as a, a all, you know, whatever type of moment, it really actually just comes to survival. I want my daughter and my grandson to live. And if this is, a possibility, no, how, no matter how minuscule it is, please do it. So you're right. Maybe it's not as altruistic as as we could, we're, we're making out to be. You know, so that that's a fair point too. That's yeah, but he point. wasn't elderly certainly in that. I mean, he was certainly had a lot of life to live. Apparently, you know, it's not like he was sickly right, right. or anything, right? Unless I'm missing something. No, well, no, no but right. his his wife was dead. Yeah, yeah, right. You know, the actor himself isn't a spring chicken. Um. Yeah, he's like one of those those people that, you know, um, I mean, he yeah, I'm sure he would still prefer to live. But again, you know, his wife has passed, and and a lot of people when their spouse passes, I mean, you know, we like my for example, my great aunt and great uncle, my great uncle passed away, and my great aunt died two weeks later, you know, probably because of heartbrokenness because she generally had no health issues. So some people's life, the, the dramatic change when you lose somebody makes you look at life a little differently maybe and and in this case since he was a widower and and you know the end of the, the chance of surviving anyway is probably minuscule are they really going to get to the plane and make it to greenland probably not you would think so he's like you know what i'm staying here you know i'm gonna take care of my horses until the the plane the uh, comet hits but if there is a chance that even if it's point zero one percent you guys do it because it's better you know if to live if if you can but for me you know i i mean i've my quote unquote not time has passed but you know my my life as i knew it meaning my wife and all this and my horses and my you know that's all gone i don't want to live a life without all that stuff one thing i thought was one thing i thought was really nice too is when he said goodbye to the little kid um, you could see there was a pause and you could see because he's such a good actor, you could kind of see the motors in his head going really fast. Like, OK, do I tell this kid I'm never going to see him again and uh, I'm going to die or do I make this kinder on the kid? Like sometimes it's not it. Sometimes the truth is less important than making the person feel that everything's going to be OK. And he says to the kid, you know, like. 
you know, kids like, am I ever going to see you again? And he's like, yeah, 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 we'll see each other. And, you know, and you could just see like kind of like the wisdom in his, his eyes doing it, like knowing that he's, he feels bad about lying to the kid, but also knowing that that is the best for the mental health of the kid and also the expediency of the current situation. But I thought that was, I don't know, it was kind of an interesting little part and kind of beautiful. It might also depend on what his spiritual beliefs are. You know, there's that gives you a loophole on that. Yeah. yeah, but yeah. He, he's, yeah he does true. say something about stopping in or like coming up to visit or something like that. Okay. So I didn't think it was a, I thought at first he meant like, you know, I'll see you in the afterlife, but I think that maybe he was being a little more literal, but maybe he underlined. It could have, it could have, been, it could have been both, right? I yeah, mean, true. You could have double meaning, right? Uh, literal and to keep the kid calm. Right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah, like like I'm gonna see you again because I believe in the afterlife, you know, uh, Episcopalian or whatever, or whatever Baptist or whatever they are in Kentucky, and um, also he he could be looking at it like as well, which is you know I just want my my grandson to be calm, relaxed, you know. Right, um, and I actually have no idea, uh, like for a seven year old, you know how aware sure. they are of the world around them. Right. Obviously, right. the kid would be aware that something is going on and that something isn't good, but I don't know if he could conceptualize end of the world. Um, sure. Sure. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah I mean, he's been kidnapped. He's never getting he's, his toys back. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. He's not getting his toys back. He's, you know, he's had some pretty bad things he's seen, you know, he saw riots at the, at the base and he saw, he's got kidnapped and all this other stuff, but all those things, Things, no matter how horrible they are, it's still not. It's the end of the world, and you're dead in 15 hours from now. <laughs> so, so it's a little different. So that's a fair point too, Mike. Um, also, uh, speaking of um, what Amy said earlier and what he, she said right now, um, you know, Gerald Butler and Morena Bachran are always in like um, genre pictures, usually or genre TV. They, they, you know, they don't usually get the the main dramatic roles that you know that. Um, uh, other actors would, would would play, and that's not a bad thing because you, you know you still have great actors that do these type of roles. Um, but Marina Bachran, when she says bye to her her fa- father, and as they're driving away, I think she pulls it off really well. No, and knowing that I'm never going to see my father ever again, and and that was pretty pretty amazing. I thought, um, she, she, and and the solid acting for sure. Yeah, I like uh, when she tells him that <laughs> mom would be proud because he finished the house. <laughs> that was funny. I like yeah. that scene. Yes. That was that was a little good levity in what otherwise was a terrible situation for the two of them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was wondering I actually this is this is just the sort of weird random thought that pops in my head. Is what would you do with the horses? I'd let them free. <laughs> that's what I was thinking. Yeah, because that's what they did in California when when the the forest fires were happening. They just let all their animals free because they couldn't take them. So what do you do with the animals? You just leave them in the barn to to starve, or you know, no, what you do is you well, just let everybody free. Well, you let them go in a fire. They have a chance of surviving. You let them go here. They're still dying pretty much at the same time they would have died if they were in captivity. They have a few minutes of freedom. If they yeah. even recognize freedom, I mean, there's, there's, there's yeah. There's, actually, there's, you're right. Like, it, you're right. It probably doesn't matter. You know, I, like for example, when Gerald Butler left um, the safety of under the bridge to save the the person that got in the car accident, I, I turned to my wife. I said, 
you know what, this is a great thing that he's doing, but it doesn't matter because that person is dead in 24 hours, even if they survive the car accident. So <laughs> technically, you're you're right. It they could, he could have just left the the horses anyway because they're they're gone no matter what, whether they're free or they're in the barn. So I don't think it even matters. Right. So the to me like. When this thing hits, assuming that it does hit, and they don't do the thing that they did in The Simpsons, where the meter was supposed to destroy a life on Earth and it fizzled out to be nothing, um, you're going to die fast, but I don't know if you're going to die painlessly or cleanly. (laughs) Would it be a mercy to just execute the horses if you hadn't given away the, the gun? Well, I assume he has more than one gun because this is. I would still let them go and let them taste freedom for that little bit of time that they have left. You know what, Barrett? I I I was originally thinking that, but now that they are all going to die anyway, I would think I would say keep them locked away in the barn because they they're calm and relaxed in their their home. It's like you know a dog in a cage that the dog uh, likes the cage because it's like their cove or their cave. So if you let them loose and then you just leave. They're going to be like confused and like, yeah, right. what the hell's going right. on? Yeah. I'd still with yeah, that. Yeah. yeah, you ever get a dog or, or any pet that gets loose? They don't look calm. They're running around like reckless abandon. They're like, what the hell is going on? Yeah. Exactly. That, that was another thing about this movie that I liked was they didn't bring, bring a, a pet invo- in this. Because, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because you know they're going to have to leave the pet behind, right? So it's like. Or it's going to die and be killed at some point. Yeah, yeah right, right. I don't need that. Because I turned to my wife. <laughs> I turned to my wife. I said, I'm, uh, I, I don't know if I could, I would let you guys go on the airplane, but I, I would have to stay because I can't leave Lily. I, 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 what am I going to do? I'm not going to kill her. I don't want to shoot her or, or, or club her in the head. So, but I don't want to leave her either. So it's like, what do you do? Or the other possibility, they bring the dog with them all the way to Greenland and he gets led into the shelter and we all go, oh, for Christ's sake, are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So did they but, have uh, some Alpo there in the shelter? I thought oh, it was yeah, funny. Dog will eat anything, believe me. You know they don't need Alpo. But when my wife I, and I were watching this, she was like, "Boy, the biggest flaw is that Gerard's Butler, Gerard Butler's character would never cheat on Marina Bacharin." <laughs> she is pretty lady. Yeah, you know what? That's not true because when you're that that famous, that they, they cheat. Those Hollywood people cheat on each other. We're not other talking the about the famous. We're talking about the characters in the movie. <laughs> oh right, right, right. Well, um, well maybe we don't know enough about their backstory to know. Oh what God, their marriage w- was going it's down. A joke, man. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's a joke. Oh, all right. No, no, it, it's a fair point whether it was a joke or not. But yeah, that's fair. <laughs> we'll we'll let it go because it was just a joke. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, I, I am glad they didn't have the dog thing because it would have been like made me massively depressed at the beginning of the film when they have to just leave the dog. And it's like, God damn it. Uh, yeah, hey, least, least, hey, least the writers didn't try to say that cats were as important and try to make a cat a subplot. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Even though we got a bunch of cat people in this. this they, 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 would, they would have spent 30 minutes just trying to get the cat in the damn cage. <laughs> Yeah, and then and then it. you would have had another another thirty minutes of them like on the highway with the cat going meow meow meow, and you would have just like seen the picture a shot of the car pulling away with the cat in the cage on the side of the road. <laughs> Actually, as as we guys are ta- as you guys are talking, my cat is like sitting next to me and it's looking at the phone, giving it like a death glare, like <laughs> not like the meowing. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, you're, you you lived with too many cats, uh, so you, you well, can do a cat a pretty yeah, good. Yeah, well, yeah, the, I had two with me not long ago, but they they both 
I got fed up and left when they really. No. <laughs> hey, as long as they're not, at least they're not stepping on your your keyboard like they sometimes do. Now I want to yeah, say but, the end of this film. Yeah, what's, what's, I really what's, wish it had stopped at the point of seeing their memories. Yeah. And just ended yeah. ambiguously, so I didn't know if they lived or died or what happened to the world. Yeah, yeah. But Barrett offline said this to me, and it was a really great point, Barrett. And I, I, I texted you back saying uh, he said that. I, I get it here. I get the text. Hold on, I don't want to get open the text. Of course, I have to um, find it. Though you, you're talking yeah. about rather than having the um, barricade doors open up after yes, nine months. I, I wish they'd have left that out. I would have loved that end better without that. Yeah, this, this, this is what he says, uh, um, Barrett. This is, you wrote a really good thing. He goes, "Just uh, I enjoyed this aspect uh, of Korean blah blah blah. It, it is mostly good to me. Blah blah blah. Also makes you wonder at the end." if their lives are flashing before them, meaning is it like a Jacob's Ladder where he's, they're already dying or they're di- dead, and this is just like the, the flash of moment before they die. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Maybe this is supposed to be heaven. Right. Dun, dun, dun. In which case they have been over-promising. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just think it would have been a more... The ambiguous ending would have real. I would have really enjoyed that. Now, we just... We know what happened. You know, the doors opened and... Oh, the world... Barrett, I, I get it. <laughs> but... People like us are weird. Audiences generally hate ambiguous endings. Yeah. And they aren't really fond of down endings either. So everyone dying is, especially like this is this is this kind of film. This isn't a movie where you're going in knowing that the lead character has cancer and is going to die at the end of the film. Yeah. You know, th- this is this is um, the, or it's not or a movie like Dead Poets Society that has a downer ending but still finds an upbeat note to end on, or, or right? just a thriller, or, you know, like The Gift, where you know the the. Per- the family we're following basically gets all wiped out or something, yeah. <laughs> you know? So, so right, right. So Mike has a point there. This is like a film that they're, even though it's exciting, scary, uh, and whatnot, they obviously are looking to have, uh, family come and see it and hope they walk away saying, Ooh, that was a great film. Not like that was a downer, you know, because if they had the dog die or left behind and then they have them all die dead at the end or ambiguous, people are going to leave the theater and go, you don't want to see that film. The dog Especially was dead. Especially released when it was in the well, middle of the I wish they would have left out the part of their, the memories part. Cause it, it didn't need to be there then. <laughs> right. Well, right. Going back to the Chekhov's thing, if the kid through the entire movie keeps saying, you know, I heard that when you're when you die, you see the world flash between your yeah. eyes. Yeah, right. They bring yeah, that up so, a lot. Well, they now do. I'm th- now I'm th- now I'm thinking maybe they tagged that on. Uh, you know, they they did test audiences and test audiences say it didn't like it, and so they said, all right, let's let's make it not ambiguous anymore and, and add the last five. I seconds think that or, or yeah, that might be seconds. true, or it is supposed to be heaven because it's like. It's kind of weird. Like they look exactly the same, even though they said it was nine months or something yeah. like that. They literally look exactly the same as the shot before. Like his beard well, Butler longer. has a beard. Yeah, her hair is not messed up. It's not any longer. The kid looks <laughs> the same. Like, but, but but Mike did make a good point. Butler does have a beard, doesn't he? He does have a beard. He always had a beard, though. Yeah, I think it looks scragglier. Oh, it did? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. To me. I, 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 I don't know. I, maybe I was missing I wasn't paying too much attention to their grooming throughout this. So <laughs> uh, we, <laughs> we do know that they didn't have any extra clothes. 
That's true. They did not, except whatever the military gives them. But yeah, that's a fair point, though, Amy, is that they may have still, that maybe it was added on because the test audience didn't like the original ending, but the director and screenwriter were smart enough to say, you know what, let's still make it ambiguous because we'll make it nine months later, but there's not much changes to them. So people still, the smarter audience will still say, ooh, I wonder if they're dead. So someone like Barrett, like maybe they're still dead. You know, I don't know. And they all. Anyway, I, I love the ending. Amazing. Maybe I'm the only one. Phil, did you actually say if you like the ending or not? I love the ending. I thought it was great. They open the doors, yeah. you see it, whatever. I don't know. Yeah, explain. Explain no, I why you like it, the ending. I just would have liked it better with the other way. If they had just cut that one little piece out, I'd have been like, wow, now I don't know what happened. Yeah, well, I th- first of all, I thought just the drama of the door opening and the light coming in, what little light there was. And then, of course, just the special effects of what the earth and the landscape looked like post-apocalyptic, so to speak. I thought that was awesome. I love this. But they see the bird, right? Which right, yeah, all that, and then and then just the idea that it gives you hope and like it made you feel good for an otherwise movie that didn't necessarily make you feel good. Maybe I'm sophomoric or whatever, but I liked it. No, the 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 um the birds are one thing. Um, it's nine months later. <clears throat> now, nine months does have some significance to the human species as a time span. Hmm, yeah, um, so there's that. And it's also not only that, but as they're pulling away, I think it was as they're pulling back and you were seeing all the devastation and you were hearing all the different radio stations chime in. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you know, like, you know, whatever this is from, um, Cairo or wherever, um, Anywhere except for Europe or America. Rochester, New York didn't make it, though. It, no, it Rochester, New York. I was going to say Berlin, but no, Berlin wouldn't have made it. Um, Berlin, <laughs> Berlin wouldn't have made it. No, no, they Europe are Europe was a hole. <laughs> yeah, because, because they literally hit Spain. Spain was, was ground zero. Um, that, and so all of Europe was gone. So all the white people and Arab people, which Arabs are considered white by the U.S. Census Bureau. So everybody that's Caucasian is dead. <laughs> Except in the, except in Australia. except Gerard Butler and Monica Backer, right? <laughs> exactly. But all the nice brown people survived. That all were helpful to the white people earlier in the film. Uh, <laughs> in the way, by yeah, definition, is it Rochester already was... gone? Uh, like by definition, currently. Yeah. <laughs> well, one of the co-hosts that I was hoping to get on tonight, Kevin, uh, who's from Rochester, I was hoping to ask him all about it, but he, he didn't want to want to do the episode because he goes, ah, I'm not into disaster movies. So, yeah. It was um, kind of... What was the was it? I, I noticed it was it was, it was, uh, it was Paris was obvious. Sydney, Australia was obvious. Yeah. Uh, Chicago, because it was Wrigley Field. Um, was that, was it London was the fourth, was actually the second city in the list? Of yeah, the, that was Big Ben. Yeah, I think that was Big Ben. Okay, yeah, so, I, now, so I was looking for Big Ben, but I missed it. They uh, might have shown Notre Dame. Chase would be disappointed. Yeah. They, yeah. they showed the Eiffel Tower, but they might have showed Notre, Notre, Notre Dame, too. Yeah, they yes. definitely showed the Eiffel Tower. Yeah, that was the third city, I think. The first city was, I forget what the first city was. It was Sydney, because they showed Sydney. the opera. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. yeah, that was Sydney. Yeah, exactly. But I think they were one of the first people who called back was Australia. Yeah, but not Sydney. Yeah, they, they're probably, uh, <laughs> yeah so not Sydney. It's it probably well, uh, Canberra or something, but it wasn't Sydney. It was not probably. Tampa either. Yeah. yeah. Tampa. <laughs> and actually, you know, it's funny now that you think about it, right? When they pull back, because like you know, the, the Yucatan Peninsula is a massive crater, and this is supposed to be even bigger than that. Um, when they pull back, where where Europe was, that was still like a you no know, glowing red. I don't yeah. even think there would have been that much of London or Paris left. Yeah, right. 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 Wow. I agree with you. Yeah, 
Yeah. Well, yeah. if it had been a direct but hit that's play on Greenland, those 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 bunkers wouldn't have done any good, right? Because I mean, that that's comet cool. would have hit that's pretty true. hard and deep, right? Yeah. Like, like yeah. you know what? <laughs> Interesting about that was like when you remember when they're uh, on the the highway and then all the little meteors come down and they're trying, everybody's trying to run. And I'm like, where are you going to run to? You're dead. Yeah. You know, yeah. But then it, but it makes sense. They were looking for a bridge and it's like, Oh, okay. Now I understand why they were running, but I, I have no human idea. instinct. Like our yeah. animal instinct would take over. Fine you know? cover. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's so like, if you get a, if you get like a, you know, a bee in your jacket, you just start running. You just, you know, yeah. whatever. Like a mad right. person. Yeah. 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 You know? That had to happen. That happened I had yellow me. jackets chasing me around a house. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Did you feel like Godzilla with uh, like the airplanes like chasing you? No, I felt like an idiot because there was a <laughs> guy looking for the nest for me to kill it. He found it because they started chasing me. <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, that old movie Tommy Boy with the save yourself. They get pulled over, you know? <laughs> That's awesome. Um, let's see. Anything else anybody wanted to bring up? Uh, any scenes or something that we missed that anybody wanted to talk about? Yeah, one thing real quick, Phil. And yeah, I, I, I absolutely loved it. It was an homage to my childhood. Uh, the announcement in the living room was that old school font on the you know, TV monitor. Remind me of War Games. You know, just like, Mr. Oh, Garrity, oh. get your stuff and leave. I thought it was awesome. That, yeah, that's true. Yeah. And the voice, it was it was a yeah. computer voice. It wasn't like, exactly. like Siri or something, you know? Yeah, shall we play a game, you know? <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. That was intentional. It could have been like a, a wink. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, no, let's yeah. play global thermal nuclear war. That's right. <laughs> that, that was a great film. Great film. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, I do like your earlier point too, John, about when everybody's watching it on the TV because that's what we all did, you know. Like, yeah, when I remember watching the space shuttle when it blew up, yeah, well, in the in the library in the high school, we're up watching it because yep. it's oh, you know, it's a a local, it's our you know, uh, Krista McGalla from New Hampshire, you know, where John lives, you know, she's she was in Concord, which is like, you know, twenty miles up the highway. For me, it's it's like ten miles up the highway, and and so it's like this is cool, and so it was huge where I lived. Never mind anywhere else. And then, of course, you know, so everybody's watching it. Or, or like you said, the O.J. Simpson, everybody's watching it, you know. So whether it's bad or good, we're watching it. And, and or here, 9-11 when the second plane hit. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Yeah. By, by that point, everybody was watching. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I was switching back and forth between channels then because CNN was the, was the main channel. And I didn't know at that time Fox or MSNBC existed. And... And I'm, so I'm looking at they're going to commercial. So I, I just flip a channel and it's like, oh, what's this? And it's Fox News. And I go, oh, what's this? MSNBC. And that's one of my first day. That was the first day I ever watched those other two channels because I didn't even know they existed. So 9-11, I can like, when did you first watch Fox News or MSNBC? I can actually say <laughs> it was 9-11. So, so uh, Phil, yeah. I am surprised you passed, a, 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 passed up an opportunity, um, which was the character of Ralph. Uh, the guy driving the car. Uh, which which guy driving the car? The guy with the, 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 the guy with the beard. The guy who tries to the, abduct the, the child. Yeah, the kidnapper. Okay, what about yeah, him? the kidnapper? That was uh, uh, what's the actor's name? Is uh, David Denman. How do I know him? Uh, the Office. Oh, hold on, hold on. David Denman. Oh, he was in Brightburn too, I think. Oh my yeah, God, he was the was father what? in Brightburn. Yeah, and if anyone that? ever watched uh, watched the TV series Angel, he played Skip. The demon. Oh yeah. Oh no way! Really? That yeah, I did not know that until I, I was watching. So I was like, I know this guy. 
Oh, right. Roy he was, was the fiance that worked in the freaking that, yeah, warehouse in the Roy office. From office. Yeah. Roy from office. That was Roy? Because he had a beard. So I yes. Tell. Yes. Yeah, that was Roy from the office. No way. Yeah, because he kind of awesome. seemed like a dur like a southern, you know, like a um, country guy. Yeah, but but he, he with the glasses and him looking just – because usually he's this, like, big football player-looking guy, as you – you know, like in Brightburn. But in this one, they made him look like a, a dumpy, you know, office – uh, accountant or something, and he had the glasses, and he had the the beard, and the way. So I had no idea that was him. Holy smokes, that is awesome! And I spotted him, and I've like, never even seen an episode of The Office. <laughs> wow, <laughs> that, I didn't know that was him. Yeah, see, I, I couldn't tell with the beard, and and it was also night filming too, so I didn't know. And his voice, it didn't sound like him. That's weird. <laughs> yeah, I spotted yeah, him because I because I we did Brightburn. I rec- I kind of thought maybe was he the father in Brightburn, and he was, but, and I remembered because of you. That yep. the guy from Brightburn was an office person. That's right, because that whole episode I just kept on saying, so Roy from the office, when he takes <laughs> his son out to hunt, that's true, like, and, and Eric kept on getting pissed. He goes, it's not Roy from the office. That's the character. <laughs> it's Denbar. Or what, it's like, whatever. But they always play, pull, that, pull that up when like they have the person on Saturday Night Live. They always refer to him as such and such from the office, and they talk about his character, not that actual actor. Right, right. Oh, yeah, that's what you should do. Because I'm not Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I'm Roger Murdoch. I'm a pilot. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of that, Mike, you just rewatched that a few days ago. That's kind of funny. That's awesome. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, the, the, I, I'll still say it. He's the best basketball player I ever saw. He's from Milwaukee. He started out. That's right. That's right. Lou Alcindor. Now, as far as last final scenes, I did think the hammer scene was awesome. I really like that. Hammer. Yeah, yeah hammer hits the claw of the hammer into the guy's head. Oh, yeah. oh I was thought you meant the last scene of the entire um, movie, but you mean the no, last no, no, scene no. The, the, the last scene that I'm going to talk about that you were really? bringing up our final oh, thoughts. Okay. Well, I, I still wanted to talk about Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, how I, I thought he was better than Magic Johnson and Larry Bird. And I didn't care what anybody said back in the 80s when I was watching him. I used to say, Kareem is better than both. Better than both. I so, hate but, basketball. Since I've known Phil since 1978, I can tell you he's been saying Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is the, the best since I used to do the sky hook, John. You remember when we used to play basketball? I used to do the sky hook all I the do time. remember. He was also was, a hell of a co-pilot. He sure was. <laughs> Surely he was. John, John, what, he, what, his name wasn't Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. What is his name again? In Roger Murdoch. I'm a pilot. That's right. Yeah. Exactly. Um, Surely yeah, he the was. Claw, the yeah. Clawhammer. I had to get back to the movie. The Clawhammer was a pretty good scene. <laughs> and I loved it, too, because he wasn't a superhero when he did it. No. He was shocked and horrified that he did it, but he had to do it. Yeah. yeah. So, and you know, if, he didn't well, even mean to well, do it, really. It just kind of happened because he was getting attacked from two sides. And bam. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. and the, the guy was asking for it. I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, yeah, heck yeah. He Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because yeah, of the bracelets, so, which nobody would talk about. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. Well, I yeah, would, I, you know, I, which, by the way, I would. In that, I'd be afraid to take it out because I would be afraid to lose it. And that's my one ticket to salvation. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Or hide it, yeah. though. Like pull your shirt sleeves down or something. Right. Because even though you're, you left the base and your son got rejected, meaning everybody, you can't get on, there's still that chance. And I would not let anybody take it or, and I would hide it. Yeah. 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 And you still don't know at the, how how long the, at that point they didn't know it was only twenty four hours, right? So they still could, you know could have been a week. Could have, you know we don't know. It was only after they uh, he gets into that neighborhood and he breaks in to get some water 
he, he turns on the TV and they say we're dead in 24 hours. <laughs> it's like, holy shit, I didn't know that. Yeah. It was nice that he left the little note saying, like, I stole your car and some stuff and broke your window. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, hope going to end, but all right. That's nice of you. That's right. Yeah, that, that was awesome. Yeah. yeah, again, but as you said, Mike, this movie was trying to show people as, as a good thing rather than a bad thing. Yeah. Which is probably why Eric Webster didn't want to talk about it. <laughs> Right. Actually, you know what? I, I, I kind of brought it up as a possible Doc Discussions episode. And Eric, I think, would have been on board. But again, it was uh, $20 rental. And uh, he had bought it while I didn't want to force anybody else to buy it at the time. And then out of the blue, it's, you know, we already have like three weeks planned for the Doc Discussions podcast. So it's like, well, why not we just do it here for Halloween Boutique Psychotronic Reviews? So, um, all right. Any other items anybody want to bring up? Anything? Anyone? I think right. We hit most everything. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. All right. So uh, before we uh, give our final thoughts, we've already been recording for two hours. We did a little news at the beginning. We would have usually do it now, but since we already did it, we'll just move on to our final thoughts. But before we do that, uh, Mike, me, you, and a few other co-hosts do another main podcast uh, titled After the Network. What's that all about? Uh, that would be the Dark Discussions podcast, which has been mentioned a few times in this particular podcast of Halloween Psychotronic Boutique Reviews or whatever it is. Um, yeah, the Dark Discussions podcast was how this whole thing uh, got started for us. Um, and it's a the podcast for horror film fiction and all that is fantastic. We tend to focus primarily on newer horror films, but we do occasionally hit uh, darker films like, you know, and thrillers and, uh, you know, sometimes horror comedies and, and darker science fiction films and whatnot. And occasionally you have uh, book episodes like discussing things like uh, The Stand. Did you do that as a book episode yet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, or did we, you do that we, for the Stand podcast? We did that for the Stand podcast. Uh, but uh, a good example would be we did Pet Cemetery, the book. Pet Cemetery, or Let Me In was another one you did. Or let, the right one in, sorry. Um, yep, the right one in. Yeah, yeah, that's another one. Yeah, way back, way way back early in the podcast. So, and we just completed our tenth anniversary episode about aliens. Um, if anybody's interested in that, because we've been on for ten years, because James Cameron's Aliens, not yeah. not Aliens in general, but the movie Aliens. The movie so. Aliens, right? Which uh, which bookends kind of our fiftieth episode, which was Alien. That's right. Ah, oh, the good old Alien. Yes, and then for the 20th anniversary, we'll get to Alien 3. <laughs> <laughs> just another and by then, so. maybe we'll actually have another good Alien film. <laughs> right, it's been, it's, we, we, we haven't uh, lucked out recently, which is unfortunate. Yeah, yeah. So we'll figure it out, because uh, now that Disney has the rights to it, maybe they'll make a good one. But again, I don't really trust that either. But fingers crossed. You never yeah, know. A, friend, a friend of mine was despairing. Uh, Dana Webb, the one who did the coloring of the the inking of the uh, the, the Ghostbusters picture of me, yep, she was yep. she was she was despairing over the fact that Disney now owns the rights. First, that she said Marvel owns the rights to Aliens, which notes Marvel is owned by Disney. Disney owns the rights to Alien, and I, I'd point out it's not like Fox was doing anything good with Alien for the last thirty years. Um, <laughs> does that make Does that make the Alien um, the Alien Queen a Disney princess? Well, I hope so. I, I do. Oh, <laughs> Actually, well I did done. read something where I guess, I guess um, one of the rules is that the Disney princesses do have to be human. Oh. Because I just got one of those. I just got onto one of those internet wormholes, you know, rabbit holes, oh, and somehow ended up 
into a thing that was discussing uh, whether or not Raya in the new movie was going to end up as a Disney princess. I don't know why I was curious about that and or clicked on that link, but there I was. And I guess one of the requirements is that you have to be a, a human. And um, the princess Leia is <laughs> in, but aliens might be out. But she she is potentially in, but she's not. Princess Leia is right. why not? She's, she's human. Not, well, I suppose she's, she's not, not technically human. Well, well, to well, be honest, they don't count uh, the the princess from Black Cauldron or the princess from Wreck It Ralph. Part of, part of the, the 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 big oh and and Amy Adams princess from uh, Unchanted or Enchanted yeah. and they don't they don't oh, count yeah. the one from Lost uh, Lost uh, Atlantis Lost Empire there oh. there you have to be there is there, you can be a lowercase p princess for Disney but to be a Disney princess certified is a is a big spiel and they have like a, a an induction ceremony it's like the <laughs> like the Princess Hall of Fame. Um, it's a weird thing. Like you have to hit, like hit certain hurdles and really a lot of it is how popular, like for example, Elsa and the other one, Anna, Anna yeah. Frozen, no, it's they're Anna. not Disney princesses. They're not? They're not. Do you know why? Because they're insanely because, popular. Because they're, because they are insanely popular and they don't but need to be not... put under the Disney princess label. You know what? To uh, sell that's not true anymore because the Wreck-It Ralph 2 they were part of the, the the princesses. They are not considered yeah. official princesses. They are yes, not she was in the room list. with all the girls. Yes, they were. Elsa and Anna and they're were... not part of the... They were in the room, but they're not on the official list. Huh. No, I'm, I don't agree with that. No, I, I'm, I'm not making <laughs> it up. I'm telling you, that's what the official list is. And it's because it's a marketing thing. You you know, Snow White isn't going to sell anything unless you put her in the, the, the Disney print now. You know, I'm sure in 1930, she would have sold a lot. But she's sure. not going to sell anything now. But you put her in the official Disney princess line and it boosts her profile. Those two don't need the profile boost yet. In 10 years, I'm sure they're going to get inducted. Sure. <laughs> that makes sense. Now, uh, Mike, uh, you, me, and Eric Webster do uh, another podcast? Yeah, we also do Cinema a la carte, which is for all those movies that don't fit under the Dark Discussions label. And it's a semi-monthly podcast, basically, if we were not doing some other podcast eating up our time, then we do that and we rotate and take turns. Uh, we just recently uh, finished uh, an episode on the 1980 science fiction sort of classic, cult classic, certainly, Flash Gordon. Uh, we did Starlet, which we mentioned earlier. Starlet. Uh, we That's did collateral there. and we did uh, uh Baby the other the other Tom Cruise movie. Oh uh, uh, Jack, Jack Reacher. Um and Inside Out. Was it Inside yeah, Out or uh, just Inside? Yeah, Inside Out, yeah. Um Inside Out and yeah, Inside, so whatever we feel show. like doing. And you know, so and then part of the fun is what exactly each host will choose. Baby Driver was another one we did. Yeah. Uh, Hostiles, the Western. Hostiles, the Western, which is the one that started. And it all started because there was a debate over whether or not Mission Impossible was appropriate to discuss in dark discussions because some of us have man crushes, apparently, on Tom Cruise. And (laughs) rather than fight over that, we just made a new podcast. And yet we still have not discussed a Mission Impossible film. Well, you know, know, yeah, that's true. true. But you know what's interesting is, is... uh, Eric Webster goes, yeah, but Mission Impossible isn't really that dark. And I go, yeah, but they're planning to blow up the entire world. That's pretty dark. Every James <laughs> Bond movie plans to blow up the whole world. That's right. That's right. They don't succeed. Uh, that's the problem. That's true. <laughs> oh, Eric Webster would agree with that. Yeah, that is the problem. Um, 
Now, uh, Barrett, uh, myself, you, and Kevin, let's uh, just wrapped up a podcast on a television series. Yes, we wrapped up a discovery of witches, demons, and vampires. Um, we did a podcast on the show, A Discovery of Witches, the second season. And um, we have wrapped that up now, and we are waiting for next year's season three to continue. And we just wrapped up, another, me and you just wrapped up another podcast? Do I have to talk about that one? Yeah, you do. Yes, <laughs> you must. You must. We just wrapped up The Stand um, while What's I had car- fun doing the podcast. What's the podcast? What's the podcast name? <laughs> Don't tell me. I'll tell you. The Stand podcast. Um, we just wrapped up The Stand podcast. Uh, it was a lot of fun to do. Um, the show itself was garbage, but the podcast was fun. And uh, that is true. That's true. <laughs> um, and what else? Um, uh, I think that's about it. Yeah. Um, well, there's me. Um, oh, yeah. Christmas and Phantoms is a, is a very sporadic um, podcast that's very eclectic. Also, um, it has a horror movie and just unusual movie reviews, um, some poetry, some music, um, some post-punk goth sort of um, stuff, and a weird news segment. And it comes out, like I said, sporadically. And I have like three in pieces that I suppose I could put together and maybe come out with them. As uh, as you're saying, they have a uh, I have a bank of um bank of them. It's way harder doing a podcast just by yourself because you have no one to talk to, and it's hard to fill up the time and not say um too much and not I don't just just go off on a tangent somewhere that you're like wait. Does this even have anything to do with the the subject I was ever on? So yeah. Well, and that's true. Uh, th- this podcast was Halloween Boutique Psychotronic Reviews was originally a solo podcast, and it's a pain in the ass to do to research and because you have to have everything. You can't just throw things back and forth. Uh, so that's why uh, that kind of stopped. And and like Dustin Watson, who used to do the the Horror Corridor podcast, was a solo podcast, and that lasted maybe like five or six episodes too. Because again, it's just hard. It was a ten. Okay, yeah. And but that's he would spend an insane amount of time on every episode. Well, he yeah, still does do. now. You have to, but, but yeah, you do. It's it's a pain in the ass, and and uh, I mean, yeah, Halloween boutique, Secretary reviews. I was doing it once a month, and and there's no way I would have been able to do it uh, weekly unless I just did a short, you know, twenty minute review of a film or something like Jason Lloyd did for Horrorphilia. Um But yeah, it's, it's very difficult. So that, uh, kudos to you, Amy, when when you get them out because they are good podcasts. Uh, but you. yeah, now I remember what I was going to say. It's actually my favorite podcast on the. The, the network and and you uh-huh. have one of those ASMR voices too. Oh, I do. That's good. Yeah. yeah. Um, now uh, the one I remember what I was going to say was was now that a Discovery of Witches, Demons and Vampires Park has literally dominated Q1 of listener viewership. Like it's huge, over four thousand people. And wow. the thing is, is It'll be interesting now that it's on hiatus until season three to see what Q2 will be like for the Dark Discussions News Network and see what podcasts will fall where because without Discovery of Witches dominating, because we have like 40,000 listeners in this quarter and 4,000 of them were Discovery of Witches. So that's it, just how huge it was. So well, I'll be curious. It- it is a it is an older female audience, and you mentioned the term dominating. So I'm thinking the Fifty Shades of Grey series. 
Yeah, there you go. Maybe we should we should do that. Yeah. So, uh, but on the side, but to be honest, though, uh, the TV shows, podcasts always do better. I mean, the Undoing, um, which we started recording before we kept track of numbers. That podcast, the Undoing uh, Therapy Session podcast, which me, Barrett, and Kevin Lutz did, um, has like eight hundred listeners an episode. Now, not including what they we had as listeners when it was actually live because we didn't count it back then. So it just shows you how huge these, these TV sh- podcasts really do. I mean, Mike, we, we put out a three-minute thing saying we're done with the American Searching for American Gods podcast, and we got like 300 listeners just for that one segment because we had people uh, waiting to, for us to talk about that television series. You know, And when right. the show came out, season three came out, we had like dozens of people listening to season two and season one of our podcast on the show. You know, so whatever reason, TV shows have a built-in audience compared to just random movies that you pick for a weekly podcast. Uh, it is interesting how that works. Well, and I'm uh, sure if you were doing movies that were less obscure than Stay Out of the Fucking Attic, right. uh, you, know, you know, if we were doing like a... Well, we are going to be doing like Godzilla versus Kong, or if yeah, we were doing a TV series like Falcon and Winter Soldier, or whatever, you know, those would get more hits. It just depends on the profile yeah. as well. Yeah, exactly. you know, I probably yeah. would have done um, Scarlet Witch with you guys. I love that that podcast or that um, miniseries. Was that with uh, uh, Olsen? Was a star in that too? Well, Wanda yeah, Vision. Yes. Yeah, oh, the uh, Wanda Vision. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, she was the bad guy, I heard, in that film. No, not really. Yeah, not really. Well, when she enslaves a, a whole population of people, I, I heard that. It was really it's complicated. Kind of <laughs> yeah, it's complicated. I don't think she realized she was doing it at first. I think she kind of just went completely crazy because of things that happened. I mean, not for this podcast. You would be, you be, you, be arrested and, 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 uh, as a criminal. They tried. So she, yeah. Oh, yeah. Which, I mean, she's, not they a, should. she's not a good guy. They try. Not they fail. <laughs> right, because she's a superhero. But generally, yeah, I heard she... It was a weird thing how they turned her into a, a villain, kind of, sort of, whatever. Well, that's that's, that's the character in, in Marvel Comics. She is uh, highly it's, erratic in terms of, you know, because she has the ability to alter reality. So... Right. So similar to like that Sophie Turner character, right? That she's kind of good and she's kind of bad. What was that movie character she played? Dark, Dark Phoenix. Phoenix? Dark yeah, Phoenix. The yeah, that's, yeah, what yeah. Was it? Jane Grey is it? What, what is she? Jane Grey. Yeah, she's yeah, she's yeah. one of the uh, the most. She's the, one of the most important X Men there is, and she also can control reality. So both of them are incredibly powerful characters that cannot have any sort of me- mental problems, but. They, but do they do. They're human. Yeah. yeah. They're they humans. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's interesting. All right. So uh, let's give our final thoughts on uh, this movie here. So uh, that pretty much wraps up all that. So uh, let's go with you, Barrett. Um, I generally enjoyed the movie. I thought it was a good disaster flick. I just had a few issues with it that um, we talked about extensively, and you know they're okay. I I can look past them and still enjoy the movie a lot. So it's worth seeing. Um. I don't know if I would have bought it for twenty bucks, but or rented it for twenty bucks. But yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I actually bought it. I, I was going to rent it, but I said, "Oh, I'll buy it. It's getting good reviews." So. Yeah, and, I meant I, rent, I, not buy for yeah, twenty bucks. Gotcha, rent for gotcha. twenty bucks. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't rent it for twenty bucks. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, all right, sounds good. So uh, let's go with uh, you, Mike. 
Yeah, I am very I'm lukewarm on the film. It's not a bad movie. It's not a great movie. I kind of find it a fairly forgettable film. Um, I don't think your drama is dramatic enough, and I don't think the 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 cheese aspect of it or the like the exploitation parts of it go far enough. So it's very kind of walking a safe line. Um, if you are a fan of disaster films, certainly check it out. Um, I probably would wait for it to pop up on Netflix or HBO Max or wherever you can catch it free rather than pay for it, whether as rental or ownership. But again, that's your your money. You can decide. Um, I certainly would not steer people clear from it. I would just say it's an okay movie. And if it's something you, you sounds like something you'd want to watch, then watch it. All right. Sounds good. Uh, yeah, for me, um, yeah, I liked it a lot. I mean, uh, I liked the, the more cheesy ones too, like San Andreas and whatever. But but I think the reason I like this one a lot more, and I think the critics did as well, um, is that it's different. It, it doesn't do the exploitation um, or the cheesiness, uh, which is good, but they were trying to make something more different or more original, I guess. I mean, I, I guess it's not original because I mean, we've seen plenty of comic films, but different. It was They were trying to make it different, and I think they did it well enough. Uh, I like Richard Roper's point, which is it's more like um, the Tom Cruise or the world's more than a huge disaster film. And um, I think that is what makes this film a really good film and why um, it, it's been well received generally by both critics and audiences alike. Um, I, and I felt the two lead actors uh, were fantastic. Uh, Butler and uh, Bachran show that they... Uh, can act um, dramatically because there is a lot of drama versus the action in the film too. And of course, Scott Glenn was there stuff. So yeah, I, I give it a big thumbs up and uh, I'll definitely watch it again. Uh, whenever I, I just want to watch a, a good fun uh, movie, uh, fun and, and Hollywood blockbuster version, not disaster because obviously dying is not fun uh, I would I would watch it again similar to like I would watch San Andreas and or any film like that uh, so yeah I like it a lot uh, Johnny uh, yeah quintessential uh, popcorn movie it was excellent thoroughly entertaining as far as the $20 fee goes it was well worth it I mean I spent 20 bucks on a hand of blackjack or a game of crap so for me the entertainment was spot on um, it wasn't overly produced with computer generated images and uh back in the day i used to love Catherine zeta jones so uh, marina baccarin is kind of um like her to me i thought it was excellent thoroughly enjoyed it all right very good uh, amy uh, i thought the movie was very it was it was really fun like popcorn movie like you're saying and i think it benefited from the choice to center in on the family it um gave it more of a humanity a humaneness to the um the movie and again it was like you're saying that it had more of a positive view of the world and honestly i think that there's probably going to be a resurgence of positivity in terms of movies and output of different things because of 2020 and because uh, a lot of people are working on the projects that are going to be coming out in the next couple of years. And they're probably all searching for things that don't suck quite as much as um, <laughs> like uh, the, real the decimation of society on the planet earth that has been going on. Yay. Um, yeah. So I, I thought it was a good movie. Uh, I had kind of a Noah's Ark film feeling at the end, 
with a little birdie flying and um yeah oh, uh, it was good stuff good stuff it was a lot of fun um it's not citizen kane but it's a good it's a good movie to watch um that comes up on cable and in terms of twenty dollars i mean that's two tickets to a movie and i think it's it's fair to pay fair to pay artists fair to pay artists um for their output all right, sounds good. Uh, so uh, the film uh, cost thirty-five million to make. Uh, the box office, meaning theater uh, worldwide, was fifty-two point three million, which is pretty good. And as uh, we've discussed on the Dark Discussions podcast in the past, films like Scoob and Trolls Worldwide, uh, when they released, made like a hundred and fifty million dollars uh, streaming. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me if this film pulled in another big chunk of change uh, on streaming because again uh, most people were, were, were willing to spend uh, money um, to watch a film at home rather than go to a theater where they felt um, I guess endangered by the pandemic so it wouldn't surprise me the, the difference that 50- being that those are two kids films and you had a lot of parents willing to pay anything to get the kids out of their hair for two hours that's a fair point, Mike. Yeah, that's a fair point. Yeah, good point. So yeah, yeah, that's another way to look at it too. So who knows? Um, but either way, it definitely made more than fifty-two point three million because the fifty-two point three million is just from theatrical release. Um, so yeah, um, and we know like people like uh, um, John. You know, you mentioned it. You know, it's just one hand of blackjack. So a lot of people. Uh, we're willing to pay the, the money when it first came out, and now everybody's buying it for, or renting it for six ninety nine. Um, again, it got seventy nine percent good reviews out of one hundred and twenty four critics, uh, and uh, the fans uh, liked it as well. Um, the film's directed by Rick Roman Woe, uh, starring Gerald Butler, who also produced the film. But again, him and Woe have worked together many times. Uh, and then Chris Sparling uh, wrote the script. Uh, Butler starred. Uh, Marina Baccarin, and uh, cameos by David Denman, Roy from The Office, as well as Scott Glenn. Uh, so uh, check it out wherever VOD is. And if you wait long enough, like end of spring or maybe midsummer, uh, it is supposed to appear on HBO Max uh, since they bought the, the rights to uh, video uh, or stream it, I should say. So with all that stated, Barrett, why don't you leave us out? Thanks again for joining us on Halloween Boutique Psychotronic Reviews. Um, join us again next time when we discuss something else. It'll be a surprise. And thank you, Johnny Noel, for joining us tonight. It's good uh, casting with you. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. I enjoyed it. Nice to meet you. You yeah, as well. Nice, nice, nice seeing you. Nice to meet you. Well, yeah. yeah, actually, I did see you. Your camera was on. <laughs> <laughs> Only That's one. Right.